Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. How about the Irish last night? I think we're back. <laughs> that was what is on the absolute tip of everyone's tongue this morning. Con- well, am I wrong on that? for Mike Bray, right? I thought um, we were going to go three hours breaking down the seven-man rotation last night for Mike Bray, surviving in overtime over Georgia Tech. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right, in a good way, Mark Mark yeah. Dykton. Thank you. Good Wednesday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and that is Mark Dykton. Um, obviously, a whole lot to get to today. We've got a, you know, you, you get in the monotony of an 82-game NBA schedule, and you're kind of like, man, uh, there, there are some lulls. The Pacers haven't played in a couple nights, but tonight I think is one that you circle on the calendar. I know Tyrese Halliburton has definitely circled this one. It's a 7.30 tip from Madison Square Garden tonight Pacers and Knicks seven o'clock over on our sister station it is I think a rather important one for Indiana traveling to Happy Valley to take on Penn State but obviously I think a lot a lot of Colts chatter coming at you today Uh, Jake your thoughts on what you heard from Chris Ballard yesterday you know I have been first and foremost critical of Chris Ballard in terms of his demeanor at times, what I thought was his arrogance, his body language, in a number of different ways. And to be fair to Chris Ballard, a lot of those I was more critical of than I have been his job performance. And when it comes down to it, his job is to build a roster, draft players, etc. As I have said before, Kevin, recognizing talent and being able to select talent is one thing. Recognizing talent and figuring out how it is going to mesh and mold with other talent to create a team is another thing. And I think he's pretty good at the first. I think he's still learning the second. So I say that to introduce the fact that I will say yesterday, I watched the entire press conference, listened to it and watched it. Um, I give him a lot of credit. I thought he, for the first time, showed some humility about himself. I thought he showed some... Um, normalcy about himself and I think he became I think he shifted yesterday from a guy that a lot of people in this town were kind of ready to run out of town to a guy that you couldn't help but pull for because he looked like a guy that was ready to say I I, I give him a ton of credit for saying you know what the criticism is fair I have failed in what I was supposed to do and I'm going to get another chance to do it and we're going to try to do the best and that's all you can ask for out of somebody. And that's exactly what he did. Now, I had some things that jumped out at me that were of interest and that I found peculiar. It, but if there was an overriding theme, it was the fact that I thought he came off very well. Are we giving credit to someone that brought home a 1.4 GPA and they're acting like it is their fault and not blaming it on others? We're we're giving credit to somebody. Like last time he was up there, he looked like Rosie Bowen not sharing. So correct. You know he's he's taking a step forward, but like did did he have any other choice? Well, that's true. 
I mean, that's true. And I mean, he's not dumb. And he, saying it and delivering on it are two different things, right? Right. And I guess that's the biggest question. And you know what? Yesterday, all he could do was use his words and his body language. So, you know, to your point, Jake, yes, he was certainly humble. Um, I thought it was it was really what I expected from Ballard. I, I did think he would play that card. I think he fully understands how he looked up there two months ago. And he realizes what 4-12-1 and one means. And that year six, now going on year seven, um, he really had no choice other than to act as whatever you want to call it, humble, contrite. I failed, I failed, I fired myself 51 times, et cetera, et cetera. And now, obviously, actions. That will be the thing that he gets judged by moving forward. Um, I'll be honest, my early thoughts in the press conference, I have not seen slash really spoken to Chris Ballard in months um, outside of that November press conference. My, My first thought, Jake, was I can't believe he's still here. I can't believe that this guy is going to head into his seventh offseason as general manager because if you look at the track record around the NFL and you look at zero division titles in the easiest division in football, you look at one playoff win, you look at you know a combination of things. One, I would argue a blueprint that is not best suited for 2022 NFL slash the blueprint that he believes in not delivering. Like, your offensive line was a huge issue this season. I would argue that your defensive line, considering how much you have invested into that group, has still not performed at the level that you would want. Uh, I I just thought to myself, wow, this dude is still here. Seven years in the NFL. Like, that is so rare. And you know what? He's leading this coaching search. He's going to hire a new coach, and Jim Mercer will make the final call on that. But Chris Bauer is going to get a full decade. At this job, when you consider the likelihood of drafting a rookie quarterback, having a new coach, uh, that is that is pretty rare. You want to talk rare air? That's pretty rare air for the NFL in general manager resumes. A couple of things that I think that I found interesting. And I will. And by the way, good morning to you folks. It is a Wednesday. That's Kevin Bowen. I'm Jay Corey. As he had mentioned. Uh, coming up on the show this morning, we're going to talk to Dave Burkett, who is a Michigan Sports Writer of the Year covers the Detroit Lions. There are not one but two Lions coordinators that are going to be interviewed for the Colts head coaching position. We'll get into that. Stephen Holder going to join us at 8 o'clock this morning. And then at 9.40, we'll talk a little U-N-D with their head basketball coach, 9.45 approximately. But this will be a big topic of conversation this morning. And I will admit to and apologize to folks, I know this will shock both of you, that I am kind of an overthinker sometimes on things. But one thing I thought about yesterday during that press conference, Chris Ballard was asked if he was comfortable with the level of power that he has, for lack of a better phrase, on the way it was it was asked to him. And he he began the answer by saying, I know where you're going with that. Now, By saying, I know where you're going with that, that's Chris Ballard's way of saying, I know exactly what you're thinking. And more often than not, people say, I know exactly what you're thinking because in the back of their mind, they think to themselves, because I think the same thing as you, but I can't say it. And Well, how about his answer on the interim hire of Jeff Saturday? That that told me everything I need to know about his voice. That's the thing. That was short. That was sweet. And it said that Jim Mercer made that call, and I had no say. And, Kevin, 
when he was asked about the head coaching search and he said, you know, Mr. Ursay will make that hire. You think we'll ever drop the misters? Okay, that is that's my overthinking point. Let me ask you a question. Who is our boss? Uh, our boss is David Wood. I mean, we have people above David, but yeah, David boss is, or David Wood is our immediate boss. Okay. Um, and we like David a great deal. How do you refer to him? When you see him in the hallway, you say, hello, what? David. Okay. Um, <clears throat> who is the owner of the Pacers? Herb Simon. When Rick Carlisle has been on this show or Kevin Pritchard and they refer to Herb Simon, how do they refer to him? Her, maybe Herb or Herbie. I okay. feel like I've heard Herbie before, okay. which I kind of um, like. When Chris Ballard referred to Jim Ursay, he routinely called him Mr. Ursay. I can respect that showing of respect, but at the same time, there is a deference that comes with that that's almost subconscious of making it very clear that you are the subordinate, which he is, obviously. Jim Ursay owns the football team. But I highly, highly doubt that if we went back and looked at press conferences that we ever heard Bill Pullian refer to Jim Ursay as Mr. Ursay. Same position, same office, same level of power, theoretically, but there was a very clear autonomy with one. And I know that Jim Ursay hired Tony Dungy and not Bill Pullian. But I think it was very clear yesterday, if you read through the body language of it, that Chris Ballard very clearly in a lot of areas, as he should, don't get me wrong, defers to Jim Ursay, who is the owner. But more often than not, within the scheme and the pyramids of professional sports, a general manager or a president or whoever the highest person in the building is, in the case of the Colts' Chris Ballard, has autonomy to make decisions, and they are hired to be trusted to make those decisions in finality. And yesterday, what I heard was a guy who is in his position because he understands that if any decision he makes is usurped by the owner or if the owner makes suggestion to him, even though he said we have discussions, those discussions have a lot more ear than they do voice. Yeah, I asked him if uh, he was a fan of promoting someone from the staff for the interim role. His quote was, it never really got to that point. The discussion was Jeff, and when we decided to go that way, that's where we were going. Yeah. I- that, that sounds kind of like when I say, so when when Mark, on your vacation, when you went to American Girl at the mall for the afternoon, was Dave and Buster's in the discussion? And you say, we never went that way. Mm-hmm. That basically means that your wife and daughters made that decision and you fell in line, correct? Yeah. Yeah. When, when we do eventually go to American Girl, I'm not willing to spend like five grand yet. <laughs> no, Mark's like, let's go to Bucky's. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I, I thought he was rather lukewarm on Jeff Saturday. I did think the fact that one in seven in his eyes doesn't really come into play in the evaluation on Saturday continues to be odd to me. Like throughout the press conference, Ballard alluded to the historical nature of some of those losses late in the year, yet the record of Saturday doesn't necessarily apply again I don't understand this we cannot compare the Colts situation to Carolina Carolina fired their defensive coordinator traded away their best player PJ Walker started half the games for Steve Wilkes 
and they went six and six. Um, I did think it was notable that when asked about the mistakes made, that the revolving door quarterback was the first thing that he mentioned. Obviously, we'll see how the actions play into that. Um, he said later on in the press conference he'd be willing to trade up to number one, understands the magnitude of having the fourth overall pick and quarterback and all of that. He still threw in the caveat of, you know, when we draft the quarterback, you know, that's going to kind of start the clock on everything. And, and it's just, it is interesting to me, Jake, that there continues to be, and yesterday there was a bit of it, maybe not as much as he had in previous press conferences. He has this hesitancy about drafting a quarterback. And again, he has been masterful at maintaining his job for six years without drafting a quarterback in the first three rounds. So maybe that's a credit to him. But it'd be one thing if they were having success in the six seasons and he continued to go down this path. But at some point, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over again, expecting different results, at some point, don't you look at zero division titles and one playoff win and say, boy, maybe we should try something different at the most important position in sports? Well, and I, Kevin, you correct me if I'm wrong, I... I heard yesterday a guy that was under the understanding that he's going to have to take a quarterback first overall, but also was like a little bit, I'm not going to say kicking and screaming about it, but... Yes, I I think that's a good way to put it. Was hedging on like, well, I mean, you know... Reluctantly. Correct. You know, he brings up the 2020 situation. So 2019, Jacoby Brissett, 7-9 and nine after Andrew Luck retires. Colts have the thir- 13th overall pick. They trade that pick for DeForest Buckner. And Ballard mentioned yesterday how great of a player Buckner's been, and there's no denying that. Buckner's been tremendous. But Jake, DeForest Bu- I-, I think we all agree, DeForest Buckner's played at a Pro Bowl level, right? Absolutely. He's been a very good player and a-, a good teammate, right? So three seasons here, DeForest Buckner's played at a Pro Bowl level. What has your team accomplished in those three seasons with DeForest Buckner at a Pro Bowl level? Right. Fair. Zero division titles. Zero playoff wins. If you were to get a Pro Bowl level at quarterback, if you were to get a similar sort of level of play at quarterback over those three years, we'd be talking about this team right now playing Saturday, Sunday, or Monday in a wild card game. And we would have done it in recent years as well. So... Um, yeah, he kind of hedged his bets a bit on the quarterback front. He sounds like a guy very open to paying Jonathan Taylor this offseason. Bernard Ryman believes that he, which I, I, I think I agree with, uh, that he has left tackle of the future um, ability. Certainly some development still needed, but he was pleased with how he ended the season. And then the old roster construction, roster philosophy question. I tweeted it out yesterday. Side by side, because for the second straight year, it's a question that, that I've asked him. Do you feel like your plan, your roster blueprint construction, however you want to call it, needs to be altered? And it's just it's, it's a bit eerie how similar the answers are when you go back and look at his answer to the question yesterday and look at it in 2022. He might have been a hair more forceful with his answer yesterday and saying, yeah, we need to grow, we need to change some things. Um but at this point, Jake, it's all right, get to March and see how the actions speak to the words from yesterday. I thought it was interesting in, not to turn it into, the, but Greg Doyle's column, I, I read after the fact, and Greg had mentioned, he started it out by saying, Chris Ballard, who like a guy that everyone, we all love Chris Ballard in this town. And I was like, is he being sarcastic? Because I don't feel like that's 
Am I am I off base uh, with I, the? I'd probably, I don't think people hate him, but no. I, but I'd probably use the past tense. I'd probably say loved. I think there was a large amount of people that were big, big fans of Chris Ballard prior to probably honestly the last twelve months. Yeah, that's probably fair. I, I just I think people often enjoyed him, especially in the press conference settings. Like Ballard is really good in front of a mic. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's, but he was a different Ballard yesterday, and that's that's where he he used that mic yesterday. He absolutely used the mic to try to massage everybody in that room, right? And 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 affect the fan base. Yeah, for sure. I, I've always felt, and this is my Notre Dame fan I'm coming out. I've always felt there's a Brian Kelly politician side to him, um, and he's handled that really well. And honestly, right or wrong, I don't think his predecessor did that. And I, I, I do think that influenced some of the fan base and how they view uh, Chris Ballard and Ryan Grigson. So we'll take your calls through on 7239-1070. As we pointed out earlier, Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press is going to join us here in about 15 minutes. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions. Aaron, not, not the Canadian sprinter. Correct. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator of the Lions. Those are two of the five names we've heard as interview requests for the Colts so far. We'll go over those names again. was talking with someone yesterday, Jay, coaching the NFL for a couple decades, said that there's a name on that list that in this person's history in the NFL, they've never been across a person that better combines great human and great coach than this person. And for those that want Gus Bradley to stay here, this candidate and Gus Bradley have a relationship, so I want to go over that name coming up a little bit later in the show. Um, also, if you are listening to us right now, first off, thank you, um, and you are on the way to the airport, you might want to check your flight. The FAA system that sends out the important real-time flight hazards and restrictions to all commercial airline pilots called the Notice to Air Missions, is currently suffering a nationwide outage. United Airlines, for example, has temporarily temporarily delayed all domestic flights and will issue update when we learn more from the FAA. That from about 17 minutes ago. Boy, that doesn't sound good. So that great, great time to be alive for frequent flyers. Man, I'll tell you what. And this is, you said... FFA or FAA. FFA. Yeah, this is FAA. So this is not just one airline. Correct. So essentially, there are some airlines that apparently the notice to air missions, uh, they may have ways around that. But just for example, United right now, uh, American Airlines also made a statement following the failure this morning. Again, this just within the last 20 minutes. The FAA is experiencing an outage with its notice-to-air mission system, which provides critical flight safety operation information. We are closely monitoring the situation, which impacts all airlines, and working with the FAA to minimize disruption to our operation and customers. We encourage customers to check AmericanAirlines.com for their latest flight information. And then again, United saying that they are delaying all flights. Um, Southwest Airlines confirmed that they are suffering through delays due to technical issues. Southwest issued a statement that said, see, this time it's not our fault. That's cool. They did not really issue that statement. But. We'll keep you posted on that front. There was a Ballard comment yesterday, Jake, that I couldn't agree more with him on. Um, I, it's a phrase that I never have really heard, but I think when you kind of sift through it, it makes a whole lot of sense. He felt like this team's competitive confidence was gone. Um, basically, when things got tough in games, that's where this team wilted. Um, I would agree with that. 
you know, there was a, a I think we did this in maybe the Friday before the season started. You know, what are the three things you're most optimistic about the Colts entering the year? What are the three things you're least optimistic about the Colts or, or concerns you the most? And I remember one of the three things I felt like was, how would this team handle a bullseye? You know, Vegas had the Colts as the definite AFC South favorite right. entering the year. How would you handle having that bullseye on their back? And when you look at the success that Frank Reich had in his coaching time, oftentimes, Jake, it came when they were 1-5 and five to start a year. Two and four to start a year, and then they would get their act together. They would they, they thrived in the underdog role, did not thrive when again the bullseye was more on their back. Outside of Stephon Gilmore, I can't think of any player on this football team that made somewhat routine, meaningful plays in the fourth quarter. Nobody. Gilmore, Gilmore was really good. Nobody um, outside of him. And, and so competitive confidence again, it's a phrase I haven't really heard of, but I do think that is something that when things got tough. This team wilted. Like you saw massive runs. <laughs> Football runs is not something you typically, unless you're Georgia against TCU, it's not typically something you see. Think about how many straight points Dallas and Minnesota and the Giants scored against the Colts late in the season. That is something that I think is kind of two things it's culture driven, but it's also some personnel, you know, guys inside that locker room and how they are wired. Um, so I do think we are going to see some personnel changes this season that will look different than how Ballard is typically operated with not a whole lot of turnover. Here, here Real quick be, with the airline stuff, the FAA has just ordered all airline, all domestic departures until 9 a.m. Eastern to be delayed. Boy, Every domestic brutal. flight till 9 a.m. Your favorite caller, Steve, just uh, called in too, says he's at the airport and he just saw every board go from green to red. Gosh, and there's no none of those you know restaurants are probably even open. No, oh, they will get to listen to us the whole time. I guess Wednesday, if if there's a day of the week for this to happen, would Wednesday be the best? The Indianapolis airport, by the way, is a fabulous airport unless it's after seven o'clock and you or your cell phone need recharging, and then you're like, hey, oh boy, there's like a Hudson News. Um, last thing, because I know we got to get to the checkdown. I did also think it was interesting when Chris Ballard said yesterday. Look, we got to a point where the year just spiraled out of control for us and we couldn't get it back. I always find that interesting because they always say, I don't mean they to single out the Colts, any franchise. You know, during the course of the year, they're like, no, 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 like we're not as far off as you guys think. You guys are, you know, you, you think you have all the answers. We're not that far off. And I get it. They got to like kind of calm everybody. Then after the fact, they go, yeah, you're right. That was absolutely a dumpster fire and it was completely out of our control. Okay, so we were right the whole time. Cool. But they they knew it. Don't start with an end in mind. That was Ballard's phrase when it came to the coaching search question. Again, that's a phrase that maybe isn't like the most popular phrase you hear from a co- from a uh, GM, but I think that makes a lot of sense. Go into this process open-minded. I don't know if the owner is totally open-minded. So, if Ballard is leading things, can present some candidates to Jim Mersey, that might be a little different. I think that's critical in this process. So, um, obviously, a long way to go with the Colts and their head coaching interview process. We'll break it all down for you again. Dave Burkett coming up in a few minutes to talk about the Lions coaching candidates. We'll take your calls probably a little bit more like back half of the 8 o'clock hour into the 9 o'clock hour. A 317-239-1070 on that front. And as we mentioned, to lead things off, uh, kind of a fun, I would say, entertaining 
game tonight at Madison Square Garden. Tyrese Halliburton certainly has this one circled. He says that him and Wally Zerbiak have not spoken, for what it's worth. Um, and then a big one for Mike Woodson's bunch in Happy Valley, Indiana. A slight underdog to Penn State tonight. The Pacers, four and a half, last I saw, underdog with the Knicks. Good Wednesday morning to you. As Jake mentioned, if you're traveling to the airport, uh, it sounds like, based off Mark's latest update, nothing until 9 o'clock from a domestic mm-hmm. travel standpoint. FAA with a computer issue this morning, so make sure you check that They're out. getting more F than A's this morning. <laughs> Probably hearing a lot more F's than A's, too. <laughs> That's probably true. Well said, too. which we're glad that... Actually, they're hearing F and A's, yeah. right? Which we're glad the algebra situation did not go there. down the F route here recently <laughs> for Jake. Uh, Kevin Aquari on a Wednesday, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yesterday, Chris Ballard, just under an hour, met with the local media, I guess national media as well. One of the questions he was asked that I'm sure was on the mind of a lot of Colts fans as they were watching, some might be surprised that Chris Ballard is still around after a 4-12-1 season. Question is, Chris Ballard, is that something that you have asked yourself? I don't ever worry about that, chap. I mean, I come to work, I give you everything I got. I mean, everything I got. Like, I don't shortchange anything. I don't worry about getting let go and fired I do the best I can and even the best laid plans sometimes even the best thought out plans don't they don't work sometimes and they don't didn't work last year so I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses for that and I'm not going to make excuses for having a job I've got to do my job better obviously that question being answered to Mike Chappell, who was on the program with us recently. Basketball rundown from last night. Butler got smoked by St. John's, lacking competitiveness in the Big East, uh, continuing for Butler. Uh, Indiana, big one tonight at Penn State. Again, a slight underdog there. The Pacers in New York to take on the Knicks tonight. Tyrese Halliburton certainly has made his comments felt that this one means a little bit more to him. We'll see about Aaron Neesmith. He did not practice yesterday due to a non-COVID illness, but will travel, so you would think if he traveled to New York, that's a good sign for him. TJ McConnell, um, okay with that right shoulder injury. We come back, again, five names so far that the Colts have put an interview request for for their head coaching position. Two of them on Dan Campbell's staff in Detroit. Uh, We'll get more information on Ben Johnson, the OC, and Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Up next here on the Good Wednesday morning to you again. If you are just waking up and you have a flight this morning, you are going to be delayed. The FAA delaying all domestic flights until at minimum 9 a.m. due to Eastern time, due to a computer outage, essentially. I mean, we can get it's more specific than that, but that's the easiest way to say it. So, um, certainly wish everybody the best, but be aware of that this morning. Uh, We do not need a plane, but rather simply the phone lines to go up north to our friends in Detroit. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline to talk about not only the Colts, well, almost entirely the Colts uh, coaching search, which has a couple of tentacles throughout the reaching out throughout the Detroit area. Dave Burkett, a Michigan Sports Writer of the Year from the Detroit Free Press, joins us right now on the program. Dave, good morning to you. Thanks for getting up early and joining us this morning. Yeah, no problem. How are you? Uh, we are doing well, thanks. I, and, you know, obviously around here, and, you know, listen, if you cover the Lions, you're no stranger to this, just the the off-seasons of question marks, which for Indianapolis is obviously, um, you know, I think a little bit unique. Last couple of years it's been a little bit more common. But the Colts reaching out and saying, you know, after the Lions – had a really good year, obviously, that they would like to talk to both coordinators, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, the Colts would like to interview. Um, let's begin with this. Did that surprise you at all when you heard that news? No, because I think the Lions have um, two pretty good and respected coordinators. I mean, you're right. Historically, uh, seems like that never happens. I mean, uh, for your for your listeners, the uh, the last time a Lions assistant has gone on to become a head coach of another team was Chuck Knox in the 1970s. So, mm. tells you how how long it's been. But look, um, you know, Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator, really good reputation and and what he did. Young guy, obviously, and only one year at it. But I think every Everyone across the league is sort of amazed at um, you know the work that he did with with Jared Goff and this Lions offense this year to make it one of the highest scoring units in the league. And then Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, you know he had a couple job interviews last year uh, with with the Denver Broncos and, and New Orleans Saints. And um, so even though the Lions defense wasn't great this year, uh, no one would, would would try and convince you otherwise. Uh, you know I think he has a pretty strong reputation as. Uh, you know, a leader and, and a people person. Again, he's Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. We're getting to know a couple of the Colts' potential interview candidates here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Let's go back to Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. He's only been doing it for, I guess, a little over a year. I believe he took over play-calling duties um, late in 2021. When I have re- read up on him, I almost get a feel, Dave, and I don't know how well you know his story, but a little bit of like a Brad Stevens feel of like an extremely bright individual. You know, was a walk-on in college, you know, computer engineering, all of that. Um, and, and it almost seems like He's just kind of a brainiac running the show up there offensively. 
No, I think that's that's very much the case. I mean, you know, I wrote about him when he got the the job here in in February. He was promoted from tight ends coach, um, and everyone sort of knew it was coming. But you know, the guy got like almost a perfect score on his SAT and on the math portion of it. You know, and he he was a double major in college, and so there's there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, he's a very intelligent person, and you know I think that comes through in the way that he, you know, sees and calls plays and, and sees things develop, and um, you know maybe the, the the creativity and ingenuity that he has with just some of the the motions and shifts and, and doing things that really have become a staple of some of the, the most high powered offenses in, in the league. You know, he did a really good job of of taking advantage or, or using all these Lions players to their strengths, and you know I know every coach. Says they want to do that, but but sometimes that's lip service. So, um, you know, I, I don't think you find anyone in this Lions organization or Lions locker room that wasn't impressed with the, the job that Ben did this year. Hell, we saw Mice the game going deep into the playbook there on Sunday night uh, uh, at Lambeau. And then Aaron Glenn, um, I think Colts fans know the name. I mean, certainly he's been involved AFC East, AFC South as a player. And like you said, he got pretty deep, I think, in talks with the New Orleans Saints last year to be their head coach. Um, it seems like his biggest strength is probably, you know, kind of that fiery demeanor and his personality. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, look, it's when Dan Campbell put the Lions staff together, you know, a lot of people talked about all the ex-players on the staff and, and how they would relate to, you know, the current players and, and what that meant. You know, the, the way they understood players and would take care of them, but yet, you know, be able to push them. And, and I think that's kind of who Aaron is, is that, you know, he's a guy who, who pushes the right buttons uh, with his players. You know, he, he doesn't pull any punches. Uh, you know, he's, he's pretty pretty blunt with them. Um, you know, as a play caller, he's he's very aggressive. Um, you know, I think if you look at what the Lions have done these these last two years, again, the, the numbers haven't been great, and some of that is personnel. I mean, they started four rookies on defense at, at times this year, but um, you know, Aaron's a guy who likes to bring the house and blitz. And and when they were struggling early on, you know, they they decided they had to scale things back a little bit, and they went pretty basic on, on first and second down to let some of those young guys sort of catch their breath and understand what was going on. Um, and then, you know, they, they kept things exotic or, or kept doing some different things on, on third downs, bringing pressures like, like Aaron likes to do. And, and then as those, you know, that the young guys seemed to, to catch up to that, then they, they started mixing some of that back in on early downs. So, yeah, Aaron is definitely known as, as a people person, a, a player's coach, but um, not in a soft way. You know, he just doesn't sugarcoat things, and, and guys definitely liked him and, and the attitude that he brought to that defense. Dave Burkett is our guest. He's on the Payless Liggers Hotline. He is with the Detroit Free Press. Dave, as we talk about these coordinators, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, the Lions, you know, the job that Dan Campbell did this year, and we think from a Colts standpoint of kind of lasering in as candidates there, any chance this is all a moot point because it's actually in Ann Arbor where the Colts are going to find their guy? What are the odds that Jim Harbaugh does go to the NFL? And if so, do you believe – that Indianapolis would be of intrigue for him. Yeah, I mean, that's a tricky one because, um, look, I, I think on some level, Jim definitely wants to go back to the NFL. And, and look, I'll be the first to say I do not know Jim or, or you know his people. So this is sort of me reading the tea leaves and, and just, um, you know, being around Michigan and kind of knowing him a little bit. But he, uh, uh, from afar, that is. But he... Uh, you know, I, I think there's an intrigue about you know wanting to make a run at the Super Bowl and being in the best league possible, and and 
um, you know, getting away from NIL and, you know, recruiting and all, all those things. Uh, so that's, you know, that part of it makes me believe that, yeah, that, that could be possible. But, you know, the, the backstory is that, you know, Michigan took some money away from him a couple of years ago too. And I, I can't imagine that felt well with him. And then, you know, they gave it back and, you know, uh, you know, he spread it out to his coordinators and he's still, you know, compared to some other colleges, college coaches, you know, underpaid. And, and so maybe there's a little bit of a financial thing here. Um, you know, and, and I, I look at some of the reports and again, this is, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of this, but, you know, if you really want a job, right. And maybe, you know, the Denver, somebody wants you to come in person to interview and, and you do it over phone and it's just sort of a get to know you session at first. I don't know if you really want that job. Don't you, you know, drop what you're doing to to go do it in person. Yeah, and I thought about the one that. that's reaching out to Carolina and not Carolina's reaching out to you. You know, the the weeks in advance of talking there, like it, so. I, I I don't know. It, it's tough. Some of these tea leaves are giving me mixed signals. I guess. Um, but just just on um, the Colts, like I would think the Colts would be because he has ties to Indy and he played there, and I would think in the organization itself, right? I mean, you look at the pieces. I would think that would be one of the most attractive of these jobs. The only the only thing that might, um, you know, I guess give Jim pause or that might not make it a fit is, you know, if Jim leaves Michigan, he, he probably needs a lot of power, and Chris Ballard isn't going anywhere. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't know that that would be the right fit ultimately for him to make the jump if he doesn't have the power that he needs, um, sort of like he does at Michigan. Dave, final one for me. And again, Dave Burkett's with us. You guys heard him back on with us around uh, training camp when the Lions came down here for the joint practices. So, you know, Chris Ballard got a look at Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, you know, kind of firsthand up close at those joint practices. We know he interviewed Dan Campbell back after Josh McDaniels, you know, turned his back on the altar um, to the Colts in 2018. How would you describe Johnson and Glenn and their personalities compared to Campbell? <laughs> Dan is about as fire as they get, right? I mean, look, Dan has just a way of, like, everyone gravitates towards him and responds to him. And, and you know, certainly, you know, um, I, I think, you know, really connects with him. And, and I, I think the same can be said for, for some of his assistants. And, in fact, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Somebody um, had asked Dan at his, or I'm sorry, Brad Holmes, the Lions Center manager at his, his end-of-season news conference yesterday about, like, you know, Dan's this, this risk-taking guy, right? He's got these gambles where he goes forward on fourth down, and, you know, he, he does some things maybe that are a little unconventional. And, and they asked Brad, you know, is that you too? Like, is that a staple of sort of this regime, you know, because Brad Holmes traded T.J. Hawkinson in the middle of the season, and he traded up to get Jamison Williams. And I, I think some of that applies to those coordinators as well. Like, you look at the play calls, and Dan has to sign off on it. But, you know, you reference early on the, you know, the uh, – the hook and lateral with, with, you know, the game basically on the line, a chance to, to clinch the game. And what do they run on, you know, second and 17? They, they throw a little slot, you know, pass and, and run a, a hook and ladder to, to DeAndre Swift, you know, and going forward on fourth down all the, all the times to, to clinch games. So I think, and, and Aaron Glenn's blitzing for that matter. So I, I think there's a lot of similarities between Dan um, and both coaches. And look, Dan probably doesn't get enough credit for, you know, how intelligent he is. And, and we talked about that with Ben, certainly that I think that's a staple of um, you know the hours that these guys put in and, and some of the things that they do 
um, I, I think there's there's a lot of similarities, even though they may not quite be as fiery as Dan. I think there's a lot of similarities between Dan and, and both of those coaches. You know, it's interesting to me, Dave. A buddy of mine who's a Lions fan was like, "Man, I really hope they can hold on to Ben Johnson because he's been promising and he's young, 36 years old, as yep. you talked about. Uh, he probably needs to resign himself to the fact that he's not going to be around long, right? Because if it's not Indianapolis, it feels like he's kind of a bright rising star. You know, um, I had this discussion with many people over the course of the season when we read, hey, Ben could be a candidate for a job this year. And people say, nice, this is his first year. You know, he's 36. Like, what has he proven? And, well, you go back and you look at the history of offensive coaches and some of the hires. Zach Taylor was, was, well, he had one year as an offensive coordinator and he barely called play. I mean, he didn't call plays. He was with Sean McVay, right? Sean McVay uh, even didn't have much experience, you know, calling plays. And Sean McVay, if I'm not mistaken, came from a tight end spot like like Ben did where he was involved in both the pass and run game. Um, you know, so there's 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 other people that have um, really gone that route of being a bright young offensive mind when you know teams don't want to pass on that guy because they think they may have the next Sean McVay and they want to, especially when you you could be working with a young quarterback, they want that person in place. So there aren't a lot of jobs open. I'm not sure Ben's going to get one now. I think there's you know probably a decent chance that he does he's going to interview really well but if it doesn't happen this year it's probably going to happen next year dave terrific stuff again a couple of guys on the colts list so it was uh, enjoyable getting a little bit more insight into both of them uh thanks for waking up with us early and uh hopping on no problem we'll talk to you guys again that's dave burkett right there on the Payless liquors hotline again i think the biggest appeal to a ben johnson hire is the fact that you have the elephant in the room of the quarterback that needs to be developed and pairing him up with a head coach and an offensive system that you know would go nowhere as long as Ben Johnson is still here is easily the biggest appeal and and would be the biggest question mark for any defensive candidate, i.e. Aaron Glenn, is how would you maintain that continuity, not only people-wise, but system-wise with this hire. Do you know Aaron Glenn's Moment in football history in Indianapolis, Kevin? It was I don't know if this is what you're going with, but I thought he was the first pro bowler ever of the Houston Texans. Is that really relevant I mean, at all? That, that's relevant for sure. Not not necessarily as it happens in the city of Indianapolis. Uh was it a jet game that yes. he made a big play? So I was at a jet game. I, You'd have, we'd have to look up the years here. They all run together to me in those some of those bad Colts seasons. But I was at a Jets game against the Colts. Uh, it was the infamous, as I've mentioned before, Andy Hipskin paper airplane game where we were throwing paper airplanes onto the field the entire game. Um, and then a little old lady decided she wanted to throw one, so Hipskin made her like a super sweet aerodynamic paper airplane out of the program. And the second it left her hand, security said, there she is, and she got ejected. We felt bad. Um, you didn't speak up, though, did you? What's that? You didn't speak up, though, did you? To no, save her I from had, getting kicked out? No, I had stuff to Yeah, do. she's the one. <laughs> so, it, there Point was like, and hide. There's like three minutes to go in the game where like she's lucky that she's leaving early. At the end of the half, the the Colts lined up for like a 64-yarder, just ridiculous long field goal. And I remember Parcells, I think, was coaching the Jets, and we're like, why are they dropping? So I had never seen this before. I'd never seen this before. I'm like, why is there a dude standing in the end zone? And the field goal attempt fell short, and Aaron Glenn, it was literally with two seconds to go in the half, Aaron Glenn caught it in the, you know, towards the back of the end zone, 
and just started running. And like the players, because it was their last play of the half, were running onto the field to go out to the locker room. Cheerleaders are coming on. Hey? Yeah, and Aaron Glenn just kind of blended in with all of them. And it's like, wait a minute, is that dude running with the ball? And he returned at the time. I believe it was the longest like field goal kick return for a touchdown in NFL history, 104 yards or something like that. <laughs> we're like, well, you got any more paper airplanes, Hipskin? Let's go. Yeah, Glenn, again, deep in the talks with the Saints last year. They ended up going with Dennis Allen on their staff. Um, the other candidates so far, Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator currently for the Rams. Shane Steichen, offense coordinator for the Eagles. So that would be a Nick Sirianni, Frank Reich coaching tree, ironically enough. Um, the appeal to Shane Steichen, I think, is similar to Ben Johnson. The offensive background, you look at the quarterback Shane Steichen has worked with, Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. Not a bad trio of quarterbacks. Very different styles of quarterbacks, different ages, of course. Uh, but again, how would the Reich Sirianni influence at all impact his decision here? And then Agio Avero, the Broncos defensive coordinator. He was also with Sean McVay uh, in the Rams. Been with Denver just for this past season. And um, that was probably the only bright spot the Denver Broncos had this year was the defensive side of the ball. Again, I go... Back to yesterday to an extent, Kevin, and just want to repeat. I thought that Chris Ballard yesterday was, I thought he showed a humility. I thought he showed a contrition to the fan base. And I also thought he tipped his hand to the fact that this coaching search, he might lead it all he wants, and then he will absolutely defer to whatever it is that Jim Mersey tells him to do. I want to share a little bit later in the 8 o'clock hour, again, the coaching candidate, I think, Think has a relationship with Gus Bradley, so for those in the camp that want to see the defensive continuity stay, that might be one that you would want to root for on that side of the ball. But to talk more about that and the Chris Ballard press conference, Stephen Holder from ESPN.com joins us next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Failed a lot of people. Some of the opening words there yesterday, Chris Ballard's season-ending press conference, uh, playing a lot of audio for those kind of looking for a written recap on that. Got some of the, up on uh, our website, 1075thefan.com, and certainly our next guest as well, ESPN.com. He is Stephen Holder. He joins us now. Um, Stephen, I'll, I'll leave it pretty open-ended to, to start. Um, just kind of your, your overall thoughts on the Chris Boward we saw yesterday. Yeah, I, uh, so I'm a little hoarse, okay, guys? So bear with me. Can you understand what I'm saying? We'll call you Pony. You sound outstanding, honestly. All right, good, good. So um, I, I think that um, 
my my big takeaway, or one of my big takeaways, was that he was uh, his tone. I thought was was appropriate, and I think by that, what I mean is, you know, Chris Chris Ballard, he is very much, you know, uh, you know, a big talking South Texas guy, right? And he he is that by nature, and and I think yesterday. You know, we saw a guy who had to kind of take it on the chin, and and he was definitely humbled by by what has happened. And I thought that was important because because optics matter in these situations, particularly with a fan base that right now is is just ready to, you know, to, there's a lot of kindling there, right? And if you spark if you spark a match, you're going to set people on fire right now. And so I thought he took the right approach from a tone perspective. Now beyond that. I mean, I, I actually think he came across pretty well overall. I think he said the right things. He acknowledged his mistakes, a lot of which we have talked about, written about uh, for a very long time. And he acknowledged, for example, the offensive line miscues and, and how those miscalculations had major impacts on, on what they have done. I also think that he, it appears, has has learned that, that this the, the quarterback carousel has to stop. I I am of, I'm fully of the belief that it's over and that they are going to draft a quarterback. I don't think there's any other outcome here. And and I, I truly believe that after yesterday. And I, I think the owner won't let it happen either. So, uh, yeah, those are kind of my big takeaways. Um, I, I know, No shockers, but I think confirming a lot of the things that we, we thought we knew. Stephen, I found it interesting that he kind of pinned a lot of their issue among other things, but on the coaching carousel, or excuse me, the quarterbacking carousel. Yeah. Because I, I'm like, well, yeah, but dude, that was your decision. Like that was the route you wanted to go, right? Maybe, but that's a whole different point. I, I wanted to ask you this. I mentioned this earlier this morning, and you are a more mature and level-headed individual than I, so I want you to to wade through this. Um, Allegedly, that's right. I. I I found it interesting, and while I understand the respect level of it, I do, I found it interesting that every time he referenced Jim Ursay, he referred to him as Mr. Ursay. Um, I, I get it. That's his boss. He's the owner. But I don't hear Kevin Pritchard call Herb Simon Mr. Simon. I don't recall Bill Polian calling Jim Ursay Mr. Ursay. To me, it, it felt like a like subliminal or subconscious clear deference of basically tipping the hand that I am simply here almost in figurehead and ultimately every final decision comes down to Jim Mercedes, which is the, I understand it, he's the owner, but at the same time there are the the caste system within most professional sports teams that a general manager or president is hired with a certain level of autonomy. Am I overthinking it or was there a little bit of that there? Uh, well, I I would say if you if you're around that building much at all, um, you hear him referred to as Mister Ursay every day, right? That's that's just the way people refer to him. Well, why I don't know. I don't work there. I don't know how that works, but but that is a very very common thing that I hear literally every day. Um, I, I think I think the relationship between Chris Ballard and and Jim Ursay, uh, I, I think he described it relatively accurately in that Chris does voice his opinion and and probably, you know, stronger than people think. At the same time, uh, I do think that 
the owner has has been a little more strong-willed of late. He's been much more strong-willed. Um, look, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, uh, KB and, and some other writers. I mean, Chris has had a lot of autonomy, a lot, in, in previous years. I mean, if you go back to Josh McDaniels, for example, that was not Jim Mercy whatsoever. That was all, all, all Chris Ballard. Frank Reich was Chris Ballard. I mean, Demerce was on board. He, you know, Chris had ties to the Colts, so that was, oh, excuse me, Frank had ties to the Colts, so he was certainly on board with it. But Chris has had a lot of autonomy. There's no question about it. You know, he seems to have less of it right now. I don't think that has anything to do with how he referred to his boss in that press conference. I just think that is just a, a, a fact of what we have observed lately. And I think... Is- Chris acknowledged it, frankly. Is surrendering some of that autonomy part of the reason Chris Ballard is still here? Uh, I, I don't I don't think it's anything explicit. This is my observation, right? I don't think it's anything explicit that they have that they have necessarily agreed upon. Like, hey, this is how this is going to work, X, Y, and Z. No, I don't think that has happened. I think there have been just some specific things of late where Jim Mersey has inserted himself much more than he has in the past. Whether that continues remains to be seen. But but he has certainly done that more so now than in the past. And he's Stephen Holder from ESPN.com, and he's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Stephen, I want to get a little bit more into how Ballard has operated at quarterback in his tenure, um, yeah. and more like into the why. Do you find it odd at all that he came from Kansas City, he was one of the early Patrick Mahomes identifiers within that organization. I, I'm not going to pretend to know how much involvement he had, but again, he was there until about January. They drafted Mahomes, they traded up and drafted Mahomes in April. But in the fall is where they, you know, kind of got started to get enamored with Patrick Mahomes. So, given that, given the fact that Kansas City has been easily the most consistent team in the NFL, certainly the AFC over the last handful of years, do you find it odd at all? that he has backed off of not doing something that Kansas City did over the last, you know, kind of four off seasons when you look at the draft and all of that? that that's an interesting question. And, and actually, there's a good basis for that, too. Um, I agree with you. I think that, well, let's back up. So back in Kansas City, the way Ballard has described this in the past, if I recall correctly, is that fall where Patrick Mahomes was still playing at, playing in college, I believe John Dorsey was the GM in Kansas City at the time. Uh, John sent him down to Texas to go scout him personally because he's like, "Hey, you know, we like this kid. I want, I want your thoughts." And so he went and and scouted him in person, and they were on Patrick Mahomes the whole time. There's no question about that. Uh, so, yeah, and they were very aggressive in going to get him. Right? They they made a very aggressive trade up in the draft. Chris Ballard has not done that. Um, I would say it is interesting, and it actually, I think, is is probably in line with his nature. I asked him this yesterday. I, I said to him, I said, look, there's a perception among fans that you are not aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. And and I think he knew what I was getting at, and he had, you know, he had some receipts that, that, that indicate otherwise. The, the, the trade for, the, you know, DeForest Buckner was, you could argue that was aggressive, but they have certainly or he has certainly had a history of trading down much more than trading up to go and get a player. And, and, and I just think that that speaks to his nature, which is, hey, 
I think I'm a pretty good draft. Uh, I, I think I execute pretty well in the draft. So if I get more draft picks, we'll get more good players. And that's his thought process, right? And it's not necessarily wrong. The problem is it doesn't fix your quarterback problem. So he's trying to apply the consistent theory. You know, he's big on his process. He's trying to con- or apply that process to to the entire team. The problem is that does not get you the quarterback in today's day and age. I kind of got the feel, Stephen, or I wonder this. Stephen Holder's our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers hotline. You can read his work at ESPN.com. I got the impression that Ballard has resigned himself to the fact that the time is now and he's painted into a quarter on corner on drafting a quarterback. But his hesitation is perhaps this isn't the year to have to do that. In other words, the talent pool, maybe he's not completely sold on of – Look, it's not like there's – and I, I realize a Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, you know, Peyton Manning only comes along every – you know, there's a reason they're called generational, right? But that he's like, yeah, I, I guess this is the year I'll do it because everybody expects it and I have no choice. But, boy, I'm putting And the a owner might demand it. And the owner's demanding it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he seemed reluctant to me. You agree? Yeah, well, well, look, I mean, I came away with you – could, you could come away with two different impressions, right? Like – uh, I believe KB, you asked him. I think it was you who said, "You know, are you willing to to trade up and go to number one if it needs if if need be?" And he said, "Absolutely, I'll do whatever it takes." And literally, in the next breath, he said, "Hey, now wait a minute. Now it's not about where we take the guy. It's about getting the right guy." And it's what he always says. He says, "You know, because if that guy doesn't play well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear it from you guys." He has said that before, and I think it speaks to. That, that reluctance that he has demonstrated over the years. Um, I I do think that, you're right, there is no Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, we don't think, in this draft. And, and in fact, there isn't. Because if, if, if there was, we would already know who that guy was, right? So we know there's not. There may be good players, but there's not that flawless prospect, right, that everyone agrees upon. We don't have that. So it's not an ideal situation. However, you know, those guys don't come around very often, but you also don't have the number four pick very often. So I, I think, I think it, the, the need and the opportunity have aligned. So th- they have to do it. That's it. That, that's it. They have to do it. All right. Now, you got to get it right, but they got to do it. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, it almost seemed like the vibe exiting last offseason, or last season into the offseason, was we are blaming Carson Wentz for 98% of things that happened with our football team last year. I don't know if we're at 98%, but I get a heavy vibe that we're blaming Frank Reich. And when I say we, I mean internally over there. There is a lot of blame to Frank Reich. And the issues, the culture, the mistakes, whatever you want to call it, for what transpired this last season. Do you get that vibe that like there is an immense amount of blame for Frank Reich? And do you agree or disagree with that? I, I get that sense a little bit, yes. And, and here's, here's why. And this applies to Carson Wentz last year and to Frank Reich this year. It's convenient. It's very, very convenient. For the parties involved, it's very convenient for Jim Mercy to say, "Well, that's done." Okay, you know, because he wants to believe there's a, they have a good team. Chris Ballard wants to believe they have a good team. Jeff Saturday has done it, frankly, without saying Frank Reich's name. 
he has frankly done it very often just without saying Frank Reich. Sometimes I say, well, you know, I am here. Hey, what do you want me to do? And, you know, it's very convenient for him, right? Because uh, the alternative is he's got to take the blame, right? So it's very, it's very convenient for everyone involved to pinpoint, you know, the, the problems in one particular area. Uh, but I would argue, and, and I said this to Chris Ballard yesterday, I mean, you know, you, you've basically said you were a quarterback away over and over and over. You know, I had a prominent player tell me this in the locker room the other day. He said, you know, we've, we've heard that we were a quarterback away the last three years. We're not. Okay? He said it better than I could have. And, and that's the problem. I mean, if, if there were only a quarterback away, then, you know, the, the issues with the offensive line would have mattered less. Um, you know, Shaquille Leonard's injury would have mattered less. Right? All of these other problems they had, would not have mattered as much if their team was as good as they thought it was. So I think that's what they got to figure out. They got to figure out, you know, I guess what I'm saying is they, they can't make the same mistake twice. And they are, they are indicating that they may actually do that. I, I don't think they're quite where they were last year in terms of fooling themselves. But yes, I do hear a little bit of that. And they've got to shake themselves out of that. Steven, not in words, but just kind of in overall theme, do you think it's possible that Jim Mersey has basically messaged to Chris Ballard, look, Jeff Saturday is my guy. Your task is to go out there and find the one individual that you can sell me against that and convince me otherwise. Otherwise, that's my safety school. Well, well it, it's, it's pretty clear that uh, I, I think Jeff Saturday has – the best thing Jeff Saturday has going for him, put it this way, is Jim Mersey. 1,000%, right? And in fact, I, I have to wonder whether without Jim Mersey's affinity for Jeff Saturday, I do wonder whether he's a candidate for this job at all. Like if it's up to Chris Ballard, you know? I mean, right. Chris Ballard publicly, publicly admitted yesterday he didn't want the guy. Now, we all knew that, okay? That is not a surprise. We've been saying it and we're reporting it for months, right? But he publicly said it, okay? He could have easily said, well, you know, it, we, had a, we had a vibrant discussion. No, he said he told Jim Mersey, yeah, I don't think this is a good idea. We're putting him in a bad spot. Why would we do this? <laughs> I mean, I was, I was a little bit shocked that he was like that nonchalant about the admission. And so, and here he is now telling us at the same time that that guy is a candidate. Uh, so, uh, and, and the other thing is the, the only case that anyone's made for Jeff Saturday is that, you know, he, he got the team to play hard and uh, they had a lot of discipline. My argument, my counter argument is if you want to argue against that, which is not my job, but I'm just, you know, giving you the, the, the potential argument. The argument is, yeah, well, get a coach with more experience who also can instill discipline. Like, that's not that hard, you know? So, anyway, to your question, uh, all I can say is that uh, without Jim Mercer's opinion of Jeff Saturday, I don't think Jeff Saturday is in the mix, frankly. Steven, um, do you get the vibe that Jim Harbaugh is not a coaching candidate for the Colts? I, it's it's interesting. I and 
I get that there's a lot of confusion probably on like the Harbaugh side of things. It almost seems like he's yeah. kind of pitching himself out there for contractual purposes. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know what his I don't know what his angle is, right? Jim Jeff, excuse me, Jim Harbaugh. Um, I don't know the answer. I, I would tell you. I mean, I heard his name. Uh, I heard his, I heard buzz about his name from in the building um, a few weeks ago, but I have not heard anything since. So I, it's hard to know. I, I, I can only imagine. This is very speculative, but it's possible uh, that there's some some disagreement on the on the Harbaugh side of things, as you said. Um, maybe he's working through some things. I, I think that's possible. And and if and when he gets what he wants, <laughs> uh, then the next dominoes will fall or not fall, right? So I think that might be what's happening. But but I have not heard anything specific to Harbaugh on the Colts in quite some time. You know, Stephen, I think another question to ask is if you had to grade. So I'll ask you, I guess, if you had to grade A to F, obviously F being the worst in terms of just how good a job the Colts head coaching job is right now. And I get that, you know, for a for a Ben Johnson, probably pretty good because he's looking for a shot, right? But for a Jim Harbaugh or a coach that seemingly is going to have options if they want to go to the NFL, where does Indianapolis grade in terms of likability of job? I don't think it's that high. Uh, I would say... <clears throat> for what reason do you think it, it would not be seen as high? Okay, and I would I would put it in the sort of C range, um, which is you know I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily the worst job ever, but but you got a lot of complications here. So okay, here here's a couple. Number one, the quarterback issue is the first. Now I know they have the number four pick, but look, have you have people paid attention to young quarterbacks around the NFL? It's it's fifty fifty at best, right? Okay, and that's and by so, like year two, right? Right, and and then guess what? I mean, so like here's take Robert Robert Sala in New York, right? This is a guy who I think is an excellent football coach, and and you know what? And, and he's going to be under a lot of pressure next year. You know why? Because his quarterback situation sucks, and because he hasn't had an opportunity to really to really show that. You know, he hasn't had an opportunity. I think to to really demonstrate the kind of coach he is because he's been on, out he's been undermined by young quarterbacks and so my point is that could be you you know prospective Colts head coach <laughs> you know that could be them you know we have no idea how this is going to go and and there is it is a crapshoot I think they need to go draft that quarterback but it's a crapshoot okay let's be honest about this uh, and the fans have to be honest about this too uh, the other thing is. Uh, I, I think they're a team that look. I think whatever window they have, if, if they if they had a quarterback, let's ask, let's ask this: if they had a quarterback right now, viable quarterback, you would think okay, they have some kind of window open to maybe compete. But I think it's I don't think it's open for as as long as as maybe they think. You know what I mean? Like like some of those guys are are getting older. You know, you start to worry about injuries, and they have some like Shaquille Leonard. What's his situation like? I mean, things change fast in the NFL, is what I'm saying. So the impression of the Colts two years ago has nothing to do with where they are right now. You know, I mean, two years from now, they could be in a much different place. They could be a, a team that's a has been. 
a lot of those players are not in position or are not in the in the prime of their careers. So I don't I don't know that you can even hang your hat on that. You know, the, the non quarterback spots on this team. Still pretty good, but I think not as it's not as much of a slam dunk as, as maybe it was, if that makes sense. Steven, last one for me and Steven Holder with us from the from ESPN.com. Typically, a Ballard season-ending press conference would lead to a lot of personnel-specific questions, like your free agents and your players, and obviously, for many reasons, we just didn't have a lot of those yesterday, but there were some. Um, What I got from a few of them, he thinks Bernard Ryman can very well be the left tackle of the future, so I almost kind of cross left tackle off the list in Ballard's eyes for this offseason, at least with a really important resource. Um, He sounds very open to paying Jonathan Taylor the money that... Jonathan Taylor's camp will probably want, and he is a big fan of Michael Pittman's as well. Probably not, you know, unquestionably number one guy, like he can do anything he wants with the football in his hands, but he likes him. Taylor and Pittman both do extensions, or could have extensions, I should say, this offseason. Your thoughts on that and any other personnel stuff? Yeah, I would agree with with everything you said there. Uh, Those were my impressions as well. I think the Michael Pittman thing was, has been a question for me uh, because you know Chris Ballard's never really spent money at that position at wide receiver. So so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Pittman's what is 2021, 20, 20, So he's got one more year left. Yeah, on both him contract. and Taylor one year, one more year left. Right, but but both of those guys, if their agents are doing their jobs are going to want to deal this year, right? This off season. And and we'll see what happens there. That that may or may not happen. Um but I but I do think the the question that that we didn't get to ask and and he probably wouldn't have answered it anyway is do they need to go big at the skill positions because as much as I like Michael Pittman, I think they need another chip there. And and, and that is something he's never shown any willingness to do. You are going to have a very young quarterback here, who potentially, who you are very invested in. Go help that kid. For the love of God, go help that kid. You know, and, and you're not going to do it by having just sort of a, a middling wide receiver group. I thought they were fine this year. I, I don't think that was their problem necessarily, okay? Let me be clear. But they don't have a threat at tight end. I mean, Jelani Woods was really their biggest threat. Uh, they don't have a, a wide receiver who keeps you up at night, even though Michael Pittman, very good, not elite, but good. And so I just think that is going to be the different passing game being just kind of meh versus, oh, my God, these guys are really good. You know, I, and they can't get to really good, I don't think, with what they currently have. You know, I, I think your voice sounds kind of badass this morning, to be honest with you. Like, I don't want to be awkward here, but I think it's kind of cool sounding. It's making some great improvements, Steven. <laughs> I mean, you said you were a little hoarse, and I thought, well, okay. And then, it, I I don't know. It's not Barry White level, but it's kind of cool. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> the, the, the raspiness is, uh, it, I, I get it. You're, you're into that. I get it. It's good. It's good. <laughs> well... I'm just saying. Yesterday, Chris Ballard just confessed to the things he likes. So what the Easy hell? Now. Right? Easy Open now. book here, right? Yeah. Oh man. Oh, did he ever? Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, uh, thank you for all the Wednesday conversations with us throughout the season and continuing it here early in the off season. We probably will bug you a few times here in the coming weeks and months, but uh, have always enjoyed our uh, our weekly chat. So thank you for that. All right.
That's Stephen Holder right there on the pay- uh, Slickers hotline. Yeah, Chris did have one of those comments there. What what was the exact phrase on it? Uh, somebody was asking him about like adversity or something like that, and he said basically he was like, "Look, you know, I I kind of like being questioned or being down and out." And he's like, "I kind of get off on it." I believe that was his quote. Yeah, that was one of those where I was like, "Did I hear that correctly?" And I kind of hid behind my laptop. You know, I, at one point I was hoping for those that watched yesterday, I don't know if they did, but I was hoping he would just make a decision on going ahead and keeping the cap of the water bottle off instead of unscrewing it, taking the swig, screwing it oh, back yeah. on fast. Oh, yeah, that and seemed to be it. a popular thing. Yeah, it was... Looked like a nice water bottle. I, I thought it was a Mick Ultra for a second. Well, that, you know... <laughs> I don't believe it was. Chris, I think, you know, certainly one that cares about his body. Maybe a Mick Ultra is the beer of choice. He is in very good shape. Very good shape. Uh, time, by the way, for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, St. John's last night, 77-61 over the Butler Bulldogs. Butler now 10-8. and They are 2-5 and in the league. 12-6 and now for the Johnnies. It was Notre Dame... 73-72 over Georgia Tech in Gutty. the battle of 500s. Gutty performance. Georgia Tech falls to 8-8. Eight and eight. Notre Dame now 9-8 and eight, uh, overall. Is it really 9-8? and eight? Yeah. Ohio 76-71 over Ball State last night. And Belmont 74-59 over Valpo. Butler's got five losses in Big East play this year by 22, 22, 20, 25. And you said 76-61? Yeah. So 15. Oof. Uh, tonight, you've got Indiana at Penn State, two-and-a-half-point underdog. Last I saw for the Hoosiers. Jake, I think you can go one of two ways right now with IU. You want to go glass half full? Hey, the defense can't be this bad. It's got to get better. You want to go glass half empty? Boy, can't keep shooting it as well as they have from three, um, as they have really this season. They're a top-30 team shooting it right now in college basketball. So um, a big one tonight for Indiana as they hit the road, then have Wisconsin coming up on Saturday back at Assembly Hall. The Pacers are in action tonight. That is Madison Square Garden. Our coverage begins at 7. It's a 7.30 tip. You know, when you think back on that Pacers-Knicks game, obviously the Wally Zerbiak comments got a lot of play. Jake Tyrese Halliburton was 5 of 16 in that game. And if you remember what he did here with the Miami game back in December, no field goals, one point. Sees Miami a few weeks later down there, has a career high. What was it, 43 is popping in my head? Very curious to see how Tyrese Halliburton responds to this one. If he does it in any way like he did with Miami, it's going to be a big night for him. I think it's weird Wally Zerbiak had to make an on-air apology, though. I mean... Well, I think Chris Bauer yesterday apologized for being bad at his job. Wally Zerbiak apologized for making an idiotic comment. I mean, it was a dumb comment for certain, but like they have to get on the air. And, I mean, that's you're a sports commentator. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was like just. I thought it was kind of like toyed on childish. Yeah, he he did. Want to be it, also like he sounded like someone he, in section you know two fifteen. He made it. He made it sound a little personal. There's no doubt about but that. But it'll be a fun game tonight for a Wednesday, January. Jalen Brunson had forty four on Monday. Julius Randle twenty five and sixteen. So those are certainly the big two. <laughs> Um, coming up, Kevin, you had mentioned a coach that has been highly touted for you that might be a candidate for the Colts head coaching 
job, I want you to give a little more detail on the one that somebody seemed bullish and telling you about the quality of a coach and the character of the guy. We'll get to that and... Let's uh, open up the phone lines, too. I know some people probably have some Ballard thoughts. 317-239-1070 on that. And any reaction to Chris Ballard from yesterday? Kevin Aquari on a Wednesday. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Chris Ballard yesterday talking about the state of the Indianapolis Colts, that talent that he believes needs to play better coming up for next season. They will be doing so theoretically under a new head coach. That remains to be seen. I guess Jeff Saturday is still in play. But, Kevin, we know now some of the candidates that Indianapolis will interview. We know that Chris Ballard will conduct those interviews and then make a recommendation to Jim Irsay who will make the final call. But... Uh, there is one guy that you say, at least according to some people you've talked to, from a character standpoint, would check some of the boxes the Colts are looking for. Yeah, again, right now we've got five names that the Colts have put in interview requests for. All five can be interviewed as early as today. Um, if you look at all of them, either they're not in the playoffs with their respective teams or uh, they've got a buy in the case of Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. But yeah, I was talking with someone yesterday, coached in the league for a couple decades, and just reached out to me out of the blue and said, in all my years in the NFL, the coach that has accomplished the best of being a great human and a great coach is Raheem Morris, currently the defensive coordinator of the Rams. Um, he was the head coach in Tampa at the age of 32. You imagine 32 years old, Jake, being a head coach in the NFL? Yeah, I probably thought about it a lot when I was 32, right? Uh, didn't go great Amazing. for him there. Obviously wasn't horrific. I think there were a lot of, like, Tampa looked at his situation and said, hey, we need to hire specific coordinators for you that are veterans to help you out. And there are a couple players on the Tampa roster that were even older than him. Um and, yeah, it just did not go well. He actually fired his offensive coordinator in the preseason, not typically something that you see on that front. But, yeah, when I was talking to this guy yesterday, he said that just players absolutely love him. Um, you know, Obviously, he coached a whole lot of ego and a whole lot of fame on that Rams defense and got them to uh, play pretty well and, and stay together in that Super Bowl run. I'll be interested to see if he's a candidate for the Rams job if Sean McVay ends up deciding to step away from football. Um, but Raheem Morris is a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people look out there and say, does he deserve a second chance? I mean, you see coaches around the league that get a second chance. I mean, Bill Belichick probably being the, the I mean, that's the, the creme de la creme, yeah, right? the, the forefront of it. They got a second chance and it worked out. Tony Dungy. Really, really well. Tony Dungy would be a name as well. Again, the question you'll have with any defensive coach, Jake, is – What's your plan on offense? 
And what's your plan to maintain that continuity on offense? Uh, the Shanahan family absolutely raves about Raheem Morris. And again, just work with Sean McVay. So you think from an offensive mind standpoint, the connections with the Shanahans and Sean McVay is at play there. I'll also point out that him and Gus Bradley appear to have a decently close relationship. They were on the staff together back early in those Tampa Bay days. So if you would make this sort of higher... Uh, maybe Gus Bradley would be retained as your DC. I like this comment. You guys are both Ballard enablers. The guy failed at his job, yet we're forgetting that because he showed humility and had a good tone. Please, uh, again, I don't think there's probably anybody that's been harder on Ballard more consistently than I have. I simply said, if I'm going to critique his... Matter of fact, I think I even prefaced with saying, if I'm going to critique Chris Ballard's job performance, then at the same time, it's only fair that I point out when he points out that that critique is fair. I, kudos to him for that. Saying it and having the right tone in the press conference are totally different than delivering. That's it. He's got to deliver. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm not going to get too deep into crediting a guy who apologized for being bad at his job. Like, I think he had no other choice. I would agree with that. So I, I yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, he was humble yesterday. Whoop de do. You know, I don't, I don't really put a whole lot of stuff. That's what I mean. I mean to say that we're enablers. I mean, in that, you know, uh, we got some calls on this front. Uh, let's start with Bill. Bill wanted to talk about Chris Ballard. What's up, Bill? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I've, I've lived in Indy for about four years now. My observations are that, at least I think, Ballard seems to be just afraid to spend the big money in free agency. It, it seems like. When you, when you have a draft pick and the draft pick goes bust, you know, draft picks only have what, depending on the round, 15, 20, 30, 40% chance of making the team. But if you go out and spend a bunch of money on a free agent, you're not going to get that that that, uh, that cushion. You know, big free agent spending has to hit. And I just don't think Ballard has the confidence in his own ability to go out and sign these big free agents. He, you know, hit the draft picks, you screw up a draft pick, oh, well, you had 10 of them, a couple of them made it. Everybody says, oh, look what a great draft he had. But he just has not had the confidence, I don't think, in his own ability to go out and get the big money free agents. I'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah, appreciate the call, Bill. I think it's interesting. I'd like to know where Bill moved from. Oh. Well, maybe Bill can fire Only an email. Because Jake at 1075thefan.com. That's right. Kevin at 1075thefan.com. Only because I think it gives perspective on what team he, he – who, who and uh, he's not wrong. I'm not saying that. But who in comparison did Bill follow – that is a blueprint that kind of gives a barometer of how free you know teams that are more aggressive in free agency. Frankly, I think you just look at any Super Bowl winner and you'll find that here as of late. You know, to the Ballard free agency point, what I have found odd about it, Jake, in recent years is it's not like he has been poor necessarily in free agency. I mean, look at last year. Stephon Gilmore unquestionably was a hit. I'd are you Rodney McLeod was a nice find in free agency. Danico Autry was a nice find in free agency. Wasn't Gilmore free agent? Yeah, I Did just you said mention him? him. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. say. I mean, for it didn't work out for multiple years, but Eric Ebron on a very friendly deal was a good find in free agency. So it's less to do with like that he's yeah. I mean, is he scared to spend top top dollar? That's fair, but it's more of just a reluctance to continue to use it. I I just it, it's kind of been confusing to me. He's found hits. I just don't think he's wanted to go back to that store as much as he should because you can't rely on the draft solely for everything. And we saw that this year. And he did admit, you know, he mishandled left tackle and right guard this past off season. He basically thought that. 
Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, and Ryan Kelly, the big three up front, would be able to absorb uh, the left tackle and right guard situation, um, which, again, that kind of goes against his philosophy of offensive line investment and all of that. Um, but that was something that he did. I mentioned yesterday. Um, I think free agency, you are getting more of a known commodity because you have players that you have evidence as to their performance level within the NFL as opposed to draft picks, obviously. I'm stating the obvious here, I realize. But I think a lot of the old guard in particular had that school of thought of you are still going out and getting players that other teams have let go, and you have to figure out why that is and basically maneuver for your budget on a player to be more than the team that prior had that player and why is that player's budget higher for you than it would be for them but there are still as you just pointed out kevin i think merits to going out and getting some guys that have that have paid off um let's go to jeff what's up jeff good morning hey good morning guys hey i had a couple questions i want you to just expand upon but how about uh why is Leslie Frazier and Eric Bieniemy? They're they're not even being talked about as potential candidates. I think those guys would be quality. They've been well. Bieniemy hasn't been a head coach, and then on Ballard, I mean, I just don't get why he doesn't. You know, he always talks about the offensive line. Why he doesn't really address, um, you know, spending money and getting a quality guy. He wants to get these half ass dudes and you know put them on a prove contract and it's not working out he already torched the, the offensive line last year by not re-signing Glowinski or Fisher I mean those guys are better than Matt Pryor and Danny Pender are on the bench but anyway just want to hang up and get your thoughts Leslie Frazier's Thanks, a name that I've heard I, I started hearing Leslie Frazier's name like five weeks ago but yeah. I don't know that the Colts have made an overture there and again going back to when josh mcdaniels said no to the colts the three interview candidates that ballard and company interviewed the second time around dan campbell leslie frazier and frank reich um, you know with leslie frazier I, right or wrong jake i think the biggest knock on him would be he's older and he coaches on the side of the ball that not a lot of nfl owners necessarily want to go down that path being the defensive side you know with frazier they have a game this week, so you also can't interview him this week. They are in the wild card round. Bienemy doesn't fit that mold. I mean, you could interview him. has been odd. I mean, there's some people that have mentioned like he doesn't interview great. Um, does it have like a Tom Moore feel to it? Like you're the OC and you just – he seems like he wants to be a head coach, so maybe that's not the exact comparison there, but – um, that one, is, it almost seems like more of a league-wide thing with him. Right. No, no question. Biennemi's been... Eric Biennemi has become the face of the guy that isn't getting his proper due. Right? He's always the guy for years, and it, it's like, why not Eric Biennemi? Why not Eric Biennemi? Why not Eric Biennemi? Somebody sent me a thing yesterday that said Biennemi has skeletons. I, I, I'm unaware of that. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm unaware of that, though. I, 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 I think there's a little bit on that front but um still it, it just it, it seems like even just like get the early interview you know part of the process but yeah I, I think there was there's been some off the field stuff on that front uh Corey wanted to talk about the Houston Texans and their draft position Corey good morning 
Good morning, fellas. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yesterday, Ballard said if he had a guy, he'd do everything it took to go get him. Uh, I think this year with the Texans at two, if he has a guy, he has to go get him because if the Texans draft his guy, he's got to play him for the next 10 years. Yep. Boy, that's a really it's good a great point. point. It's spot on, Corey. Uh, you know, I said it to Mark earlier in the week. The Colts have got to trade up to one if they feel like there's a quarterback that separates himself from the rest of the class. And that's why Chicago is in a golden position because what Chicago can do, they could trade back with Houston. They could go from one to two. Houston has 12 draft picks in this draft. They easily could trade up to one. And then Chicago can sit there at two and say, all right, we'll take the best defender in the draft, or we can move back again and still feel really good about things. Can you imagine the Colts' worst-case scenario would be if exactly that – the worst case scenario for Indianapolis would be if Chicago does just decide to fall out of that top four and a quarterback hungry team now vaults in and now you are drafting because I I really think Kevin that Arizona may now all of a sudden be looking quarterback right yeah you know I, I was mentioning that you know leading into the search that's a huge question mark but you know it seemed like Michael Bildwell for what it's worth their owner out there said Kyler Murray will have a say in the head coaching search you would think that means Murray's okay you know the team to keep an eye on and again Seattle will play San Francisco coming up on Saturday afternoon let's say the Seahawks lose Pete Carroll retires Seattle sitting there with the fifth pick they're right behind Indy Seattle also has the 20th pick in this year's draft so they've got two picks right there in the top 20 would that be enticing if they say hey new head coach we're gonna make a change at quarterback we feel like we've got a little bit more ammo than the Colts. Again, the Colts have a pick early in the second round, middle of the third round, because uh, the Washington selection is in the middle of the third round. The Colts traded away their third-round pick for Nick Cross last April. Seattle's a sneaky team for me, Jake. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Again, some dominoes have to happen there, but if they lose, Pete Carroll hangs it up. They don't think Geno I mean, Smith is long-term. Geno Smith played well, but he is not your long-term guy, right, just based on age alone, right? Sure, and probably just his history in the NFL. Yeah, right. There's, there's a reason that guy's a former I mean, <laughs> you know, he's a good. He had a great year. He was a good story, but okay. you would think Seattle would also be in the market again. A big part of it too, Kevin, is how many quarterbacks in this year's draft will be seen once they go through. You know, as Rick Venturi calls it, once they go through the car wash and they get nuanced in every area and get detailed, how many guys are truly going to be seen as quote-unquote franchise quarterbacks? And if Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are considered Tier 1, wouldn't you be somewhat shocked if they didn't go 1 and 2? Yes. Well, you mean just overall or as quarterback? No, like first and second overall picks. If they're viewed in that light, then the rest of the NFL has to say, hey, if we want them, we've got to get there because Houston is going to take one of the two at two. Obviously, Chicago, you don't... No one thinks they're going to take a quarterback, but that would mean... What's his name? Tannenbaum does. A trade-up. Did you hear that dumb dumb idea? I thought you were going to go expletive on us. I should have. No. No, what what was this? He wanted... He said on... Uh, first, whatever his first take, or whatever he said that the Bears should trade Fields and then draft Bryce Young, which I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You want to have Bryce Young hopefully equal what Fields is? I don't get it. He's a slighter, slender, more ver- you know, slower version of you, Justin. You know Fields. why he said that? Because someone said, "Hey, what's a crazy take you have this morning that Correct. we can talk he about?" He said for that because hours? you do a radio show in Indianapolis and you're talking about it. Yeah, I was like, "There's I a reason hope. he's a former GM." I, 
I think the one hesitation that teams might have about Young and Stroud, and Tua probably offsets this because the same thing would have been said about Tua coming out. But the one hesitation would be how much of their numbers, and this is what's going to have to be examined. I mean, there's plenty of time to figure this out. How much of their numbers were because they were throwing to guys that had the ability to get separation and were, you know, three steps ahead of defenders all the time, and they had a riches of Sunday-bound receivers. We'll continue the Chris Ballard conversation coming up in the 9 o'clock hour as well. 317-239-1070. Your thoughts on what Ballard had to say yesterday. Kevin Aquarium, it looks to be a nice start to this Wednesday here. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. And Indy. Yeah, when they're a special playmaker, it is. I'm not going to get into whether what we're going to do contract-wise with him, but when you're a special player and a special playmaker, yeah. Chris Ballard talking about Jonathan Taylor yesterday on whether or not was that your question, Kevin? Whether or not it was worth paying him? No, I think it was somebody else. Um, yeah, basically the old adage of. Do you pay a running back top dollar? Very similar answer there that he gave when asked about Braden Smith and uh, then Darius Leonard back a couple years ago with those extensions. He did say that it's looking like Taylor will not need offseason ankle surgery. Again, one year left on his contract, uh, but if Chris Ballard follows past precedent, Jonathan Taylor will get an extension this offseason. On the personnel front, it does seem like... and. and, uh, I can see where he comes at it from from this standpoint. That Bernard Ryman, he feels like, can be the left tackle of the future. And if you think that and you're right on that, which again, I think Ryman showed late in the year some nice development, still needs to get stronger. That would be my biggest worry about him. But if you are right on that, that is so vital to supporting the next quarterback, crossing off an important need that you have not really sniffed crossing off since Costanza retired. That would be huge for the Colts. Huge. By the way, in terms of Eric Bieniemy, I just want to clarify, um, who is regarded as a fine coach and has always been mentioned, you know, each year people wonder why he doesn't get, and I'm not saying these are the reasons that he should or has not been hired as a head coach. Uh, in college, he pleaded no contest to disorderly conduct after a fight in a bar where he said that he was antagonized by a slur. I, I understand. I mean, that's I get it. Um, he was also ticketed for driving a defective vehicle in Colorado for speeding. In 1990, his license was suspended for a year for another traffic violation. He was then caught speeding on a suspended license. Shortly thereafter that, in 1991, he failed to appear in court um, for with a wish. In, 
for a warrant for an issue to his arrest. Again, this is all 30 years ago. Pleaded no contest to interfering with a firefighter who had been performing his duties to extinguish a fire in Biennemi's mother's garage in 1990. Received an eight-month suspended sentence. He was suspended for one game. These are all in college. 1993, he was arrested in Boulder for allegedly harassing a female parking attendant. Um, he put his hand on the attendant's neck, startling her, according to the report. Um he also was named with an outstanding warrant on a charge of driving with a suspended license. As a result of the incident, he was banned from the University of Colorado campus for one year. In 2001, he was arrested for driving under the influence and was docked one month's pay. So whether or not those things all add up to a team not wanting to hire him as a head coach, you can that's up to people to decide. And again, right now, the Colts can start interviewing candidates. They've had five names mentioned so far with interview requests. For those that missed it, we can go over some of those names and get more into, again, Chris Ballard and the press conference from yesterday. If you want to join the conversation, 317-239-1070. 9 o'clock hour coming up. Kevin Corbin. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's the fourth pick of the draft. Um, we aren't, I mean, excuse my language, but we are, we are in that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't like earning it, but we did. Um, I've said this before, and I think history proves me right. I can take one. We can take one as an organization. And y'all are going to celebrate it and say, we have got the savior for the Colts. And then if he doesn't play well, why'd you take that guy? You got to be right. We got to be right. We understand the magnitude of where... We understand the magnitude of where we're at in the draft, and we understand the importance of the position. To get one, That's Chris Ballard yesterday at a season-ending press conference in regards to the quarterback position. Said this a little bit earlier in the show, but when the path that you've decided at quarterback has led to no division titles and one playoff win, I would think that should be an indicator to you it's time to do things different. And Jake, turn on your television set Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. Next week as well. You'll watch the AFC operate with seven playoff quarterbacks all under the age of 27. How can anyone think that the path that you've taken needs to continue to be the path at that position when you look around the conference. And before we get to Jason's call, because he's got a name that I like, to be honest with you, and I'm intrigued by, let's go over something real quick. The teams in the AFC that you're talking about, okay, they are. Go ahead and name them off for me. Yeah, all seven playoff teams, again, age 27 or younger. So, yeah, Kansas City. Okay, you got Patrick Mahomes. They traded up to get him, correct? Correct. About okay. 20-ish spots. Okay. Uh, Buffalo's the 2C. They traded up twice to get Josh yeah, Allen. Josh Allen, okay. Uh, three seed Cincinnati, right? Joe Burrow, number one overall. Organic, okay. Jacksonville, number one overall. Trevor. Yep. Uh, five seeds the Chargers. Justin Herbert at did, six. Did they trade up to get him? No, they did not. Okay. Um, next up, you have the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson traded up. Tw- uh, I think it was like about twenty spots as well into okay. the first round to take him. And then last but not least, you have Tua. Fifth overall pick for the Dolphins. So three of those guys, teams said, you know what? That's our guy. We got to move up and get him, right? And Jake, three trades that are not 
were trading from 7 to 4 or 13 to 11. Kansas City, I think, was 27 to 10. Buffalo, I believe, was 21 to 7. And Baltimore, I think it was like 52 to 32. You're talking, and that's how I prefaced the question to Chris Bauer yesterday. I said to him, when you look at Kansas City and Buffalo, they've made these giant moves. What what has kept you from a hesitant standpoint? Kansas City and Buffalo made the playoffs in each of the years prior to drafting these respective quarterbacks. Think about that as an organization. You sit down at the end of the season, you just make the playoffs, and you say, you know what? We can't be content with this. Andy Reid, brilliant offensive mind. Alex Smith, fine quarterback, said, guys, we need somebody different. We need need a guy that can do stuff that I can't, you know, X and O is our way to victory over the course of 60 minutes. And that's why I asked Stephen Holder the question earlier, given Ballard's Kansas City background and his initial Patrick Mahomes impression, it's always been odd to me that he hasn't gone down the path that the class of the AFC and where he came from um, has been for the last handful of seasons. Two three nine ten seventy is the telephone number. Jason joins us. Hi, Jason. Good morning. Good morning. I, I got a name for you, and, and I don't know if we have to trade up for this. We actually may be able to trade down and still be able to get this quarterback. But he's injured. But, man, when he was on top playing Georgia – Everybody was all all about Hooker playing from Tennessee. Where are we at with him now? Why? I mean, yeah, he's injured. We got a guy for another year. Matt Ryan's still here for another year. Whether we want him or not, he can still train this young man. Alex Smith trained Patrick Mahomes. Brett Favre trained, you know, Aaron Aaron Rodgers. Right. Jason, are you a Tennessee fan? No, I'm not, actually. I'm not. But when he played IU last year and whipped the crap out of us, Wow, he opened my eyes. And He's pretty electric, isn't he? I, I, honestly, I was just hoping you could sing Rocky Top for us because I love that fight <laughs> song. Um, I agree with with Jason on, I do too, on Hendon man. Hooker. Obviously, the questions, the ACL, I don't think is as much of a question. Uh, maybe you're worried about just how much offseason work you can get in. Jake, would you worry at all about his age? I think if you threw him into the AFC playoff quarterbacks, I think he'd be the second or third oldest. I think he's 25, Mark, if mind looking that up? He will turn 25 in two days. Brandon Whedon probably hurt a lot of guys in that regard, oh, right? Gosh, don't even bring up that name. Because he was a guy that was... That Chris looked, Wanky. Brandon Wink got his that? AARP card like five years ago, didn't he? <laughs> I got mine at like 40. So hey, age would not worry you? Be 25 years old, he'd hit that second contract at 30. Again, he plays a position where you know we see guys that can get into their mid-30s and still play pretty good football. Age, to me, is like the SATs when you're coming out of high school. I think it's a tiebreaker. I don't look at it first. It's like if it's between two players and you go, okay, you probably go with the younger one. But uh, I do think that he is electric. I I, I think he's, again, I you know, I don't know what his size is and that kind of thing. And it's I not like I said here. Dude. You know, not like, I mean, I'm looking here, 6'4", 222. Yeah, that's I mean, that's pretty well built. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd use Electric Jake, but I mean certainly what they did at Tennessee was impressive. Now, that college offense, I think there are some NFL skeptics of it. Like, is it too gimmicky? Do we not do enough of that in the NFL um, to get him to play to that level? So, I yeah, I, I like him, but I, I'd go different routes. Now, I wish high. he could have, Hendon Hooker, whether it would be a couple of incompletions or just some more passes before he got hurt to his completion percentage career, 66.6. I, I'm not a big fan of the 666 mm. there, but, you know. 
Yeah, boy, I thought you were going a different number in regards to Hendon Hooker. <laughs> Build your own joke, right? Mm-hmm. Simply two, about, 2.4 percentage points away. The maturation by Mark Dykes in there. Just calm over there. <laughs> yep. Hey, I, the only Maybe reason I bring it up, I mean, Chris Boward said some things yesterday that got me, oh boy, I need to hide behind the laptop 27 here. 27 touchdowns, here. only two interceptions. I mean, he if he doesn't tear the ACL, does he win the Heisman? Probably, yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Tennessee doesn't. Yeah. I guess were they already losing to South Carolina? I kind of forget how that game unfolded when Hooker, I think they were getting beat. Uh, pretty soundly in that one, but they certainly would have been in the mix. Jim Caldwell interviewing for the Broncos job today, by the way. I like Jim Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Does Peyton Manning get Jim Caldwell that job? That's it's good connection there, isn't it? It's a good point. Be curious to see how that one plays out. Luke wants to talk about a guy we talked about earlier. Luke, I got a new nephew named Luke. I love the name. Yeah, well, it's biblical, so it's a big one. Um <laughs> So, yeah, Ben Johnson, first off, I think, you know, wasn't a name on my radar for a while. It was D'Amico Ryan, Jim Harbaugh, and uh, Raheem Morris there on my list. And then Ben Johnson in that last game just looked just looked like he, he kind of got a feel for it. He's a young coach, which is a new wave, it seems like. And then I'm also curious to kind of see what you guys think about what it might take to get up to that number one spot. My friends and I have been talking. We offer the Bear, Kenny Moore our pick, and then maybe a future second round, potentially a third if we need to. Do they say no? Yes. Mark's hyperventilating. No, that's that's no. no. Luke, can, can you leave Luke on for a second? Sure. Luke, uh, on the Ben Johnson front, before we get in the hypothetical number one uh, trade, would it will you have any pause at the lack of just coordinator experience? He's done it for a little bit over a year. Like, Would making that jump all the way to head are, are coach you, be Are too you much? at the grocery store, Luke? I am at the grocery okay. store, Kroger in downtown. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that Kroger. Uh, I don't, you know, I was looking at that, but it's something about these coaches that rises through an organization quickly. I mean, it almost seemed like they created a fake position for them with offense quality control, and then they did tight ends for two years, and then went to OC. So with these rising stars that kind of just blitz through the organization and keep on making a name for themselves, you kind of kind of think like. This guy's got to have something special to kind of jump up that quick. Luke, I'm always afraid in that Kroger, that swinging gate you walk through to get into the Kroger. I'm always afraid it's going right to hit me. It. Yeah. Right into it. It's Kroger's, God. by the way. I'm always afraid it's going to hit me where it counts. Uh, <laughs> Luke, thank you for the for the call there. Jake, any concern that Ben Johnson is not experienced enough, or is this one of those things where if you wait another year, some team's going to reap the benefits I, of it? Both, to be honest with you, because he is – you ever heard of the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon? Sure, I think you've explained it here. Ben Johnson is like the he's like the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Like you haven't you know you've not heard of something, and then the first time you hear about it, and all of a sudden, like you turn around and it's everywhere. He seems to have kind of all of a sudden risen to that level just in the last week in the NFL circles. But I think anytime that you have a 36 year old coordinator who's a nice looking guy, young guy. People get excited by that, right? They get excited by youth and energy. Um, Again, Brad Stevens vibes is kind of what I'm I'm getting with Ben Johnson. We had Dave Burkett on earlier, covers the Lions for the Detroit Free Press. If you missed that, I'd encourage people to check out that podcast for a little bit more on that. Let's talk trade-up for the number one pick. Mark, um, I thought you were literally going to jump out of your chair there when he was going through the trade. So did I have it right? He said fourth overall pick. 
did he say the second round pick? So that'd be what thirty five overall. He said second next year. Oh, did he go there? I thought he said second next year and Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore. I think something you have to remember about trading for players is, and Mark, you've brought this up. I mean, you're absorbing big contracts. Right. That's why. That's why all the talk that oh, we'll trade the Bears, Quentin Nelson or Shaq Leonard or Kenny Moore. No. Yeah. I laugh at the Leonard one more than anything, just nope. given his medical why, history. Why would the Bears get rid of Roquan Smith and then trade for an older, more right. expensive, and less healthy linebacker in Shaq Leonard? Why would they want Quentin Nelson, who has a had a horrible 2022 season, and absorb that contract? I there think nobody wants to talk want. about the fact that Quentin Nelson had a bad year. It's yeah. like it's it's like taboo yeah, to he mention def- the fact he had a bad year. He had a notable regression. Kenny Moore, he's a free agent in 2024 so you have to make a decision on there you also have kyler gordon and other guys that you just drafted i i don't yeah i, I think, don't think the the trading our veteran expensive players to other teams yeah. is such a popular thing and i understand that the connection with matt eberflus is probably why people think it's a more of a possibility but i think if you're ryan poles the general manager there you want picks you, you, wanna, you don't want aging veterans that want money you want to offer a veteran player to the Bears, one that would get me excited, DeForest Buckner. You know, that one would do it. And Matt Eberflus, yeah. big fan. One, one thing that I'm tired of... You're standing I, up. I'm I, getting nervous here. Yeah. I understand it. Shaquille Leonard is a guy, as I understand it, where, where he grew up. I, I think that Clemson is where he wanted to play. Maybe it was South Carolina, but he's from that area. And he wasn't recruited, and so he had to go to a smaller school, and he went to South Carolina State. Um... And I get that when you are overlooked in the recruiting process and you're from a small town and there are a lot of things that went against you in life that you find ways to motivate yourself and doubters motivate you. I I totally understand and respect it. He's now a highly paid all-pro NFL player. So I I get that he's got to create that same drive within himself. I've never seen anyone like him. But, but, dude, you're in the NFL now, man. Everybody knows you're a great player. You're getting paid a ton of money. The constant, like, world is, you know, me against the world thing. Leave that to Tupac. I, you know, I mean, it's just kind of played out at this point. It's a little old. To get to one, I think it would be the fourth pick. And, Mark, feel free to rip me if you want. 35th pick. And then your first pick, uh, first round pick next year. I was going to say, I would think that. Would you be good with that, Mark? Yep. Uh, anything that doesn't include the fourth and the second this year is a non-starter. Uh, obviously, yes. The first next year is going to hurt right. Colts fans, but you also have to jump Houston and a bunch of other teams that are going to throw a ton of package options you, it, at the Bears. Would the Bears take that? I don't know if they will. I, I mean, they're going to be I, I fielding offers would, left Mark, and right. Because you don't fall back that much. And I think you're also projecting, of, do you think the Colts are going to be good next exactly. year? Exactly. And if you don't think that, then... You know, you're projecting like, well, that could be another top 10, top five pick next year. Because if you're the Bears, you look at that and say, two quarterbacks will go above us. We're sitting here at the fourth pick. That means we either get the second best defensive player in the draft mm-hmm. in all likelihood or the best non quarterback on offense. And I don't know if there's a wideout worthy of going to four. I don't know if we, we've heard a lot of that yeah. chatter, but that is a position that you would have to If is Marvin Harrison Jr. was available, then yes, there would sure. be. But I is don't think there's there a wideout. That is on a roster somewhere that is expendable that somebody could dangle to the Bears along with their pick and make that to sweeten the pot. Mm Kind of saw a little Chase Claypool of that back around the trade deadline. Uh, Jacob wanted to talk left tackle. Jacob, good morning. Hey, how you guys doing today? We're doing great, man. How are you? 
Hey, I'm good. Hey, before I uh, comment, man, I just want to say, man, I, I greatly appreciate you guys, man. You guys bless me every morning driving into work, uh, listening to your guys' show. I love the dad jokes. I love everything about the show, man. So uh, I, the, I'm trying to speak. The dad jokes come from the guy that doesn't have kids, too, usually. <laughs> Jacob, yeah, have, you, crazy? have you called you the program good? before? Uh, I believe I have, but I was going into work, so I had to hang up every well, time. Well, they're kind words of you. I, I want to make sure you're aware. You are calling Kevin and Query, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes, sir. You guys are the greatest. Now, I speak for the whole community, man. We we, we love you guys. What man. line of work are you in, Jacob? Appreciate that, Jacob. Very very I kind. A, I am a, I'm a truck driver. Oh, that's cool. That's like my dream job. I would love to be a truck driver. Um, hopefully not some time before you're going into your shift since you're a truck driver. But would you like to be invited to our PBR party? Uh, I would, but I do not drink. But that's I'm still fine. And have a good time. Diet Cokes, yeah. man. I'll, I'll sit there and have Diet Cokes with you, Jacob. Jacob, what's your favorite that. highway in the state of Indiana? Oh, man. I had to stay 65 South, honestly. Just going south. I love going south. Yeah, how far, pass how far do you drive? You get a nice view there. Are you, are you just like an over-the-road within the state trucker, or do you drive across the country? Yeah, yes, sir. I'm local. So I may go to I may go to Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, and down maybe like Newburgh, Indiana. Okay, fair enough. Newburgh, great golf course, Victoria National. Uh, Jacob, uh, left tackle, you want to draft or you don't want to draft? So so with what the other caller said about him and Hook, Hooker, what if we did draft a left tackle? We move Wyman to right tackle and move Braden Smith into right guard. Ooh, I mean, that, that kind of sounds like a... Interesting. A, hmm, okay. I mean, you, you, you lock up maybe three positions on the offensive line that struggled. And with, you know, you, I think the guy from Northwest, uh, Skoronsky, or mm-hmm. I think he's like the number one tackle. Um, and I know it's going to be an unpopular opinion, and we need a quarterback, but man, to... To be able to do some shifting on that offensive line and maybe maybe get it what it needs to be, and that sounds good to me. Boy, that that's an interesting that's an interesting point, Jacob. Thank you for calling, and really appreciate the kind words there and safe travels on the roads. Um, boy, I haven't given that too much thought. You know, I think the big thing a lot of people thought: could you move Bernard Ryman to guard? I think Ryman's a tackle, given his tight end background, his body type. So I like Jacob's idea. You'd keep him at tackle. Again, he's trained at left tackle pretty much the whole year off season. So I don't know if I'd all of a sudden want to shift him over to right tackle. You know, could the Skaronski kid out of Northwestern or another tackle? Uh, could they just play right tackle and then you move Braden Smith inside? Because Jake, when they moved Braden Smith inside earlier this year for a game or two, the thought there was to get a little bit more power in the run game. They felt like they were honestly just too weak, and I mean that physically at right guard, just getting run over at right guard. So. I still don't like it in round one, and I kind of think a weapon early in round two, but given how the offensive line has played this season, I, I'd be talking out both sides of my mouth if I sat here and said, you know, you 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 definitely don't take an offensive lineman that early. I, I don't like it, but I can hear you on it. You know, the Colts have had... They have a history of dominant linemen from Northwestern. I'll say that, but I can be who am I missing besides Chris Hinton? That, that I'm just saying, Chris Hinton. Hinton. I mean, arguably their best lineman ever, right? Um, I can be sold, but it's a risk. I could be sold on sliding out of, or, or I'm sorry, waiting until round two to take your quarterback 
quite frankly, if they think Hendon Hooker can be that guy and if it's because there's a player they can't pass on at number four and they don't think that the window is that great between or the gap between Stroud and, say, Hooker. Does Hooker get all the way to 35? That's the problem. That's the risk, right? That's the risk. Can you imagine? Mm. That's That's the risk. But I'm open to it. I'm open to the thought of it. 65 South. That was an interesting answer. You got Edinburgh. Yeah, I, 65 South to me, that stretch between Edinburgh and Seymour. I always enjoy seeing Louisville. I mean, Columbus, you get those that the weird like arch things. I don't know what's really yeah, going on the, there. Is it a bridge? Yeah, it's a bridge type dealio. Um, but then from, from Columbus to like North Vernon, it's just like, ugh. You know? There used to be outlets in Seymour. I went in one time to yeah, the J. Crew outlet, and I, I, I was like, "Wow, there are cars in the parking lot, but it doesn't look very, and it looks kind of busy, but everything else is kind of slow." And I went in and shopped for like ten minutes, and went up to the counter and set everything down. And the gal said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'd, I'd like to buy this merchandise," and she said, "This is our holiday party. We're closed." Oh, okay. So I got I got a cookie and and a hot chocolate and said thank you and left my stuff on the counter and walked out. A cookie and hot chocolate, say no more. <laughs> Exit ninety five. That was a popular one for me in high school, Jake. You turn right, go to our regional golf course, turn left, go to the Legends or State Finals golf course. So yeah, Exit ninety five uh, for me was a popular one. Off sixty five. We got a ton of calls. Um, we probably only have time for one or two more. Uh, let's go with Tim. Want to talk about moving up in the draft? Morning, Tim. Hey guys, um, after I just heard your hypothetical on uh, moving up and having to give up a first round pick next year, I, I got I almost threw up in my mouth thinking about drafting a quarterback. And these guys, I mean, it seems like it's a fifty percent hit rate when you draft a quarterback in the top five that they're going to be your franchise quarterback, and then. If we draft Young or Stroud or Levis, whoever it is, and then they're a bust, then you're there. Aren't you like hosed for the next three or four years now because you hey, gave up that Tim, first round pick next year? Welcome to the reality of the yeah. NFL when Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck aren't in your lap. Right? Right, right. That, I get it. That's the scary part, Tim. That they could easily be Zach Wilson as they could be Joe right. Burrow. Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold. I mean, Lake Matt Bortles. Weiner, I mean, they, the list goes on. Yeah, yeah. It, maybe it's even less than fifty percent. Yeah, and and thank you for the call, Tim. I want to make this very clear, Jake. It's the path, in my opinion, you have to go down, draft a quarterback to try and have a franchise that can win at the highest of levels for a decade. But by no means am I saying is it the easiest path. Like, right? It, it's not easy. Right. It, There's a correct at all. I mean, it, it is. It is a crapshoot. Uh, Mark, one more. Let's go, uh, Randy. Randy. Hey, nice talking to you guys this morning. Randy, I feel like all Randys just are just loud, bring great energy. <laughs> would, would, would that describe you? Uh, not really. Oh, okay. Well, you sound like a fun guy, though, Randy. Totally wrong on that, Randy. Thanks for calling, though. <laughs> Randy, you are you? I here's here's what I picture of a Randy. You ready? Yep. Uh, are, do you wear flannel? No. Really? Okay. Well, we are really striking out here. Mark, you want to try it? You know, want to Randy, try what, what part of Indiana are you from, Randy? Um, just east of New Palestine. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm glad you can hear us. Uh, what's going on this morning? Good morning to you. Uh, I'm thinking a little bit outside the box here um, on, our, on the QB. If you would look at Jordan Love 
if he was coming out in this particular draft class, would he be ranked up there with the current C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, Will Levis? Uh, and if so, he's already served, what, three years as a backup to Rodgers? What about trading for him? Appreciate that call, Randy. A um, couple things on the Jordan Love front. Chris Ballard is still here in Indy, so I find this relevant. Um, Ballard was not too enamored with Jordan Love coming out of the draft. Um, had some personal conversations with Love and just wasn't blown away by what Ballard feels like is necessary from a quarterback leadership standpoint. Now, does three years of quarterback mediocrity change that opinion? Does he feel like there's more maturation there? We'll see, but I think it's worth mentioning because Ballard is still here. The other thing I think worthy to point out, Jordan Love, he's been in the league for three years. Is this his fourth year coming up? Yeah. Gosh, it's crazy. You would have to pay him. Yeah. And and what Mm -hmm. would that contract look like? I mean, I have no idea what Jordan Love is going to merit there. And then, of course, if Aaron Rodgers hangs it up, Green Bay is going to keep him, right? Packers suck! You wonder if that means Green Bay would up the price for him because they know that it that would be interesting is to see what Green Bay offers him. That tells you what they think of him. That's Better such chance. a small sample size that he's given uh, over know. those four years. That, that's such a risk. to You'd have to trade some premium draft capital just for that. Better chance Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady is playing quarterback in the NFL in 2023? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. They owe too much. The Packers have like too much money that they owe him to, for him to walk away. I... Fifty-six million. But Brady's got like this internal drive slash narcissism that makes it hard to think that he's not going to walk or that he's that he's not going to return. Raiders. I think, I think the Colts play the Bucks and the Raiders for what it's worth next year. So the Colts. I feel like for the last three years, I've walked out of Lucas Oil Stadium and been like, "Oh, it's pretty cool." This probably is the, the last, seventh to final last time, time that Brady's going to be here. <laughs> Seriously, uh, we'll talk a little UND hoops coming up to close out the show. Paul Casaro, their head coach, big stretch coming up for the Greyhounds. We'll chat with him about that. They're a high-scoring bunch down there. Speaking of I-65, uh, but let's do a pop quiz in about five. And right now, we'll do a morning check. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin in the association, Pacers and Knicks tonight. 7.30 at Madison Square Garden in New York. Pacers come in with a two-game winning streak. You can, of course, hear that game, the pregame beginning at 7 o'clock right here on this station. Over on our sister station, WIBC in college basketball, it's Indiana and Penn State pregame at 6 o'clock as the Hoosiers go out to take on the Nittany Lions. Bucks and Raiders both coming to uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in 2023, by the way. Both of them are? Mm-hmm. It's not a great home slate. So it, is, it really isn't. You know, Brady would, I guess, have a little bit of appeal on that front. you got the Browns, Steelers, Saints, Bucks, Raiders, Rams as non-divisional home opponents. Jake, college basketball last night, I thought they'd storm the floor, honestly, up in South Bend after the one-point victory over Georgia Tech in overtime. It was a miracle that Notre Dame won that game, frankly, that they got it to overtime and then withstood a couple of late shots from the Yellow Jackets. Boy, Thad Mata, you knew it'd be rough, Jake, but I was hoping a little bit more competitive in the Big East. Two and five, the five losses by 22, 22, 20, 25, and 15 points. They had 22 turnovers last night, losing by 15 to St. John's. And St. John's themselves, not exactly hot. That snaps uh, snaps a five-game losing streak 
for the Johnnies. Ohio over Ball State, 76-71. That snaps a seven-game win streak for Ball State. Jerron Coleman did have 17. Jalen Windham, 13 for Michael Lewis's bunch. And Belmont over Valpo, 74 59. You know, we haven't really mentioned the NFL playoff schedule for this weekend, so we'll sneak that in here. Again, Saturday, it'll be Seattle at San Francisco, Chargers at Jags. Those are the two games on Saturday. Sunday, we'll get three games. Dolphins, Bills, Giants, Vikings, and then the nightcap, Ravens, Bengals. Actually, a rematch of this past weekend. And then Monday night, Cowboys at Bucks. Uh, each of you, give me your favorite game of Wild Card Weekend. That's a good question. There, I, I think New York's or New York and Minnesota. Didn't we, Mark? Don't we both agree on that game? Yeah, Giants are going to win. The, the Giants are the Vikings win. are frauds. What's their what, but the I think point differential is crazy. I think that's going to be a close game. I think that'll be a, a good the spread one. as a Giants three point underdog. I'd probably go with either the if Tua plays, I'd go with Miami Buffalo. But it doesn't sound like he's going to. Um, if Lamar Jackson plays, I think Ravens Bengals. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if Lamar plays, that's my pick. And I'm looking forward to Monday night. I, I get that you know people will probably be people probably don't want to root for either of those two teams, the Cowboys and Tom Brady and the Bucks. But the sneaky good one I'm could be Char- Chargers Jaguars. I think. Yeah, that's it. No, that's a good yeah. one because that'll be fun. First playoff experience for both. All right, pop quiz time coming up. 317-239-1070. Jiffy Lube Oil Channel. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Up for grabs. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Very manageable pop quiz this morning. Do you say that because you've conjured up some hints in your head or no, just, just the it's, quiz itself? No, I mean, it's, you know, it's nothing like, what, 1927 New York Giant. I, you know, I mean, it's... I'd probably struggle with the last couple. Okay. Well, hints may be distributed. Uh, do we have callers lined up, Mark? Yep. Kevin, you going with a number for us? Yeah, it's uh, 11. One plus one is two. Let's go with two. January 11th. 11th. That okay. is. Jackson. Do you not know your dates, Mark? No, I know, but you said 11 plus 1, 2, and you've thrown a lot of numbers there. Jackson, good morning. Hey, what's going on, Kevin? What's going on, Jake? Jackson, how you doing? Hey, not too bad. How you guys doing? Got a great voice for radio, Jackson. Well, I, uh, my profession, I use my voice, so. Oh, do you really? Might make sense, yeah. What, and what is that for? Uh, I'm an auctioneer. 
I think we uh, can you do a, a just a quick little auctioneer sampling for us. Uh, for example, we are auctioning off uh, a Jiffy Lube oil change. Can you go ahead and, and start us out? Let's sell this uh, Jiffy Lube prize pack right here. I have five dollars. I'm gonna get ten. Five dollar, not ten dollars. Seven and a half. I'm gonna get ten. I'm gonna get twelve. Fifty. I'm gonna get fifteen. Fifteen, not fifteen. So twelve and a half dollars. <laughs> That was outstanding, Jackson. On cue. I always pass the auction place at Lafayette Road at like maybe 40-something or other on my way to the Colts Complex. Outside it says every Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Yeah, that's Earl. They've been around for a long time. Jackson, what's the highest amount you have ever seen something sold in an auction that you were auctioneering? Well, we sell real estate, so I've seen things sell well into the millions, but we're, we're known for selling artwork, and we sold a, a painting for uh, about $250,000 one time. Really? Gosh. Any, yeah. Anything get heated ever? You know, that people get pretty competitive. That's what's fun about it. Um, but no, I don't, I don't know that we've ever had anything get, get too heated. My, we, we, we tend to kind of keep people on an even keel as much as we can. Okay. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, what a great job. I know, that is cool. I, I, I feel like with one of these multiple choices, I'd like the answer given in auctioneer. I think he's done enough. You know I, mean? I mean, that was outstanding <laughs> yeah. what he gave us. Jackson, right. we thank you for that. Here Hence we go. We'll probably coming your way. Jackson, question number one for you. Free agent shortstop Carlos Correa has agreed to a new deal after flirting with several major league teams. With which team did he ultimately land? The San Francisco. Minnesota. Oh, what's that? Minnesota. So- sold. Jeez, boy, that wow. was, man. Sold to the man in the back. All right. All right, Jackson. South Carolina, the Gamecocks, went into Rupp Arena last night, defeated Kentucky 71-68, snapping the Wildcats' 28-game home winning streak. That was the second longest active home winning streak in Division I men's basketball. Who currently has the longest active home court winning streak? Is it A, South Dakota State, B, Gonzaga, C, Auburn, or D, the Racers of Murray State? I don't know this, but I will go with uh, Gonzaga. Okay. By the yes. way, when you're when you're doing the auction deal, is there like a time filler you do where you just kind of do like a hey, but hey, but hey, but hey, like that, kind of like Elvis did yeah. with lyrics at his last concert? Yeah, yeah. Just they, they call them filler words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounded like See, you were I, saying hey, bada, hey, bada, hey, bada. Have that too, right? Uh, question number three: The Miami Heat went forty for forty from the free throw line as they edged Oklahoma City. Last night, Jimmy Butler was 23 of 23 from the charity stripe. That ties him for the second most free throws makes without a miss in an NBA game. Who holds the record? By the way, Steve Alford has this record at Hinkle Fieldhouse, 25 for 25 in a 57-point performance in 1983 against Broderpool High School. But who holds the record in the NBA for most free throw makes in a game without a miss? Is it James Harden, Dominique Wilkins, Deron Williams, or Darren Williams, I guess you'd say, and Kevin Durant? I'm going to go with uh, Harden on that one. Okay. Very nice start here from Jackson. Donovan Mitchell scored 46 points last night as he made his return to Salt Lake City for the first time since leaving the Jazz. Mitchell's 46 is the second most in a player's first road game against their former team. Name the ex-Pacer who dropped 50 on the blue and gold in his return to Indianapolis. Adrian Dantley, John Williamson, Alex Ingram. Holy hell. Question number five. On this day in 1987, John Elway with the drive took the Denver Broncos 98 yards. 
to score with 37 seconds left in regulation to tie their AFC Championship game matchup with the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. The Broncos got a field goal in overtime to win, of course, in advance to Super Bowl 21. What? Man, I want yeah, to yeah, he's free. No, no, come on now. Just give it to him straight. Who caught the pass? Brian Brennan, Steve Watson, Mark Jackson, Sammy Winder. I believe it was Sammy Winder. He's a running back, Sammy Winder. I thought for a second there, Scotty had sent Jackson the pop quiz. Hey, I just wanted you to proofread some things here before... We send it upstairs. Jackson, incredible performance. Let's see how he officially did. Uh, Carlos Correa, he didn't even like... I don't even know if you said the word Correa, Jake, and he just said Minnesota Twins. See, correct, though. Question number two. With a 75-game win streak at home, the last loss to my man Randy Bennett's St. Mary's team, Gonzaga. Loud and proud. I love chatting with Randy last year. You remember how great he was. the best. He's great. NBA record most free throw makes without a miss in a game. Indeed, James Harden, 24. That is correct. With no hesitation. Gosh, this was... April 4th of 1978, John Williamson was the correct Let's go! For number five, Jackson should have stuck with what he knows best. Mark, thanks for turning off Jake's mic there. You combine Mark with the guy that was doing it, you get Mark Jackson, who is the correct answer, the former Purdue receiver. <laughs> you blew it! I didn't realize Purdue. Great call, though, Randy. You don't Jackson, get to come back Jackson, tomorrow. Or Jackson, you don't even get Randy Jackson. Copy of our home game. No, I was thinking of Randy. You're a Jackson's complete loser. <laughs> uh, we get to suck on that all week. Mark, I love that. What? He's talking about the loss tickets to the commander. I thought you'd go with the Rick Venturi. <laughs> Just so unnecessary oh, there. I can play that, too. Possession into the end zone for a <laughs> That's what I was thinking four, four questions in. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Paul George was one of the uh, answer choices for number four. Tyrese Halliburton went on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast yesterday, Jake, and said that when he was traded here, Paul George texted him and said, you're in good hands there, a lot of great people in Indy. That's cool. Congrats and good luck. That's actually pretty cool. Nice move by Paul. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Paul, head coach of... The UND Greyhounds, the high-scoring bunch on the south side. A couple of big home games coming up for the Greyhounds. We'll chat about that next. Paul Casaro, join. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Take for talk about the Pacers. They've obviously been a great story this year. And locally, if you're looking for a little bit more of a basketball fix, the UND Greyhounds back into the top 25, ranked 24th. Paul Casaro in his third year at the helm. They're 
12 and 2 on the year. They've got some big games upcoming here in the next few days, and the head coach of the Greyhounds joins us here. Paul, thanks for the time this morning. Um, seems like your boys playing um, pretty good brand, brand of basketball heading into a big stretch. Appreciate having me on, and you know our, our kids deserve to be recognized. They're um, you know on a six-game win streak on top twenty-five in both the coaches and media poll, and they're just playing the right way. You know, I think uh, they're, they're a fun group to be around, and um, like I said, it's uh, it, it's going well right now. Hopefully, we can keep it going. You know, in racing terms, Paul, we have a, a phrase we use called "turning up the wick." A driver turns up the wick. That means all of a sudden they found another gear. Offensively, for you guys, the last few games seems like you've turned up the wick a little bit. Is that schematic on your behalf, or is it just the flow of those opponents you were playing? You know, I think it's just a, a gradual thing. Of uh, my thing is, as a coach, I tell the guys, you know, every day we step on the court, whether it's practice, game, film session, you know, we need to get better. And I think they've embraced that, and I think we've just continually gotten better and better every single day. And I think that's what you're seeing. I think you're also seeing. You know, we, we brought in some really talented uh, transfers and we have really talented freshmen that's contributing to go along with some great returners. And I think you're seeing, you know, mid-year these new guys figuring it out and, you know, they're hitting their stride and the returners are just doing what they've always done. So I think it's uh, blending together at the right time and we just keep getting better. He's Paul Casaro. My first memory of Paul is him shooting, I think it was 57 free throws in a game of Ron Colley beating Cathedral in 2007. I'm just picturing Paul back at the line making free throws, back at the line. Great upset for the Rebels, if I must say, that night, although I wasn't too happy about it. Uh, nonetheless, here's Paul Casaro with us right now. Uh, on the Payless Slickers hotline. Uh, You bring up transfers, and I'm curious, and Jake and I have had this discussion before, uh, of teams at your level, Paul, do you view the transfer portal, or I guess transfers in general, as like a detriment or a benefit? Because I think you can go both ways. Like If you have a guy that plays really well and thinks he can make the jump to the next level, you're going to lose a great player. Vice versa, if you've got a guy at maybe the D1 level is not getting a ton of minutes, he could look at your guy's situation and say, hey, I can go there, be closer to home, and, and get some minutes. So I guess, uh, how do you view it? You know what? Like It really hasn't changed anything the way I've done things. You know, We've always taken transfers. We've always taken high school kids. I like to have good class balance. So in every class, we're going to take some freshmen. Every class, we're going to take some transfers. And that, that really hasn't changed uh, since I was an assistant. You know, first year, first couple of years as a head coach just to now. You know, this past year, we took, um, you know, two high school kids. We took a, a transfer with two years, a transfer with three years, and, and then, you know, a one-year transfer. So that, that was someone in each class. So I think the big thing is balance of your classes. And also, I'm a big believer that if you take a transfer with three years, that's like taking a high school kid. You know, because they're going to be in your program multiple years. So I'm never going to be a guy that's all high school or all transfer. I think it's good to have talent in each class. That way you can be in a position to have success every single year. Be honest. Did you get a friendly whistle back in that 2007 game against the Irish? Hey, man, a foul's a foul. You know, if the rest are calling it, that's all i got to say. <laughs> it was impressive. Impressive performance. Jake, all you. <laughs> Coach, when I look at your guys, the season that you're having, you know, Jesse Bingham, who's a local guy, played at Warren Central. Used to work with his dad. Scoring. Good dude. Did you really? Yeah. Great dude. Uh, leads, leads you in scoring. But what I really like is it looks like you've got some pretty good balance in terms of the depth of guys that you can rely on to give you quality minutes, which means there might be some guys that don't get the attention because of lack of scoring, for example, that others do. Can you point out to me maybe a player or two that has fueled your success because they've just simply done what you've asked and done so without worrying about accolades? 
You know, I honestly, I could give you, everyone talks about Jesse and Kendrick, our two leading scorers, as you alluded to. And then we play 11 guys. So honestly, three through 11 in terms of scoring, I could say that about each one of them. You know, I think we've had seven different guys lead us in scoring. Um, I think we've had, uh, I think we've had yeah, 11 different guys reach double figures this year. So it's just a group of unselfish guys who are about winning and about UND having success. Uh, a couple guys in particular, though, you know, Ben Nickerson came in last game, local product from Center Grove, um, only played 10 minutes, but our team was plus, like plus 12 or 13 in those 10 minutes just because he just ran, ran the team. Didn't score a point, but he was in tune to our defensive assignments. He didn't turn the ball over. He had a huge assist, drove middle and kicked it. To a three, we got an AM one four point play, and that kind of busted the game open. Josiah Tynes, you know, he averages seven or eight a game, but you know, he's um, you know probably our best leader, you know, in the locker room and on the floor. He draws about a charge a game. He's shooting, you know, like forty five percent from three, and just every time he shoots it, I think it's going in. So, um, you know, I could say that about three through eleven, and you know, when we built this team this year, I was so impressed with. Um, you know, Purdue last year, and who wasn't, right, the way their, their program's built and, you know, how deep they were. And I knew we returned, uh, you know, seven or eight good guys, but I thought if we went and got, you know, three more guys that could really contribute, that we could build something similar in terms of depth, and, you know, that's what we're trying to do here. For those that are curious, by the way, Ben Nickerson is the great-grandson of the namesake of the arena where UND plays. Coach, I'm curious about this as well. I love asking coaches this. When you have, as it appears you do, an unselfish group and you've got 11 guys you can rotate through that are all going to do what they have to do, can you give me an example of something that you look for in the recruiting process that lets you know that a guy is a team player and not a me player? Give me a kind of a, a behind-the-scenes glimpse as to what you're looking for when you're recruiting a guy that tips you off that that's the kind of guy you want. You know what? Uh, kind of three things. Now, number one, when you're watching a kid and evaluating, you know you're not going to be turned on to a, a prospect unless you've seen him play well and you know he checks all those boxes. But when you watch him multiple times, I sometimes like seeing a kid when they're, it's not going their way and how their body language is going to be and you know what kind of teammate they are when they're not having their best game. And that's that's first and foremost. And then you know uh, we really spend a lot of time character checking. And, you know, circling the wagon and talking to everybody in their circle, whether it's coaches, trainers, parents, and just making sure we get a good vibe and that they're going to be a UND guy. And lastly, we have them on visits, you know, everyone wants to sit down and talk about, you know, you know, okay, coach, you'll hear a lot of kids say, well, I was promised this or promised that. I always paint a glim picture. I don't, I don't promise anybody anything. I just straight up tell them like, Hey, listen, you're going to have to, I wouldn't be recruiting you if I didn't think you were talented, if I didn't think you could help our program, but you're going to have to come in here and earn it. And I'm not going to promise you playing time. I'm not going to promise you role. You're going to determine that with what you do when you get here and how hard you work. And that'll tell you right there. Kids either are going to commit or not commit based off that information, you know, if they're about the right stuff. Getting ranked 24th in the nation, 12-2 and two on the year, and uh, playing pretty good basketball right now. It's the UND Greyhounds head coach Paul Casaro with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. You say you've had 11 guys scoring double figures this year? Yep, that's right. Wow, that is that is r- r- really impressive. Home games coming up tomorrow night, Saturday afternoon, and Monday. Um, for those that have not seen your team play, just the type of style they'll see uh, if they come out to the south side. We're really going to get after on defense. You know, we hang our head on the defensive end. We're, we're only giving up 61 points a game, which is first in the league, and I think like top 15 nationally. 
uh, hold opponents to 38%. So we're really long. You know, at times we play a six-seven point guard, uh, Jacoby Robinson, who's a Warren Central product. He He's our four-man, but sometimes we slide into that point-forward role, so we can get really long and utilize our length defensively. Uh, but then on offense, we... You know, we try to get out and go. You know, we, we, we play fast, up-tempo. We use that defensive uh, intensity to, you know, get turnovers, long rebounds, and, and, and just use our, um, use our length, use our, use our versatility. We'll post five different guys based off mismatches because we are long and, you know, just share it. We, like, we like to say we like to share the sugar. Share the sugar. I like that. Uh, tomorrow night, Missouri S&T. That's at Nickerson Fieldhouse down at U Indy. That game gets underway at 7.30. Then again on Saturday, take it on Missouri St. Louis, who's ranked 11th in the country. That's a 3 o'clock start on Saturday. Then Monday, 7.30 as well. So plenty of chances to see the Hounds run. Coach, we appreciate the time and certainly wish you the best of luck. All right? All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. That's Paul Casaro right there on the Pale of Sickers Hotline. Again, third year at the helm. UND. You know, Thursday night basketball, it's kind of a quiet night NBA-wise, quiet night typically. Uh, I guess last week Indiana Purdue play, but I feel like there's not a ton of college basketball. High school-wise, of course, not a popular night, so it'd be fun to see a high-scoring team down there. Missouri S&T. What do you think that S&T stands for? Well, I first, for some reason, when I first saw, saw it, I thought strength and conditioning. <laughs> Uh, um, I mean, I know, like, you know, agricultural and mining. Yeah, science and technology. Science and technology is correct. It sounds like the resume of Ben Johnson, Lions offense I can just tell you right now, that's probably a school I would not have looked towards. The uh, Ben Johnson, again, Lions OC, Coles have interest in him, Jake. Double major mathematics and computer engineering. Mm, again, Ben and I would not have been exchanging a lot of notes. I'm just picturing him getting well, the job. Well, I might have been grabbing his. I was going to say, getting the job, him coming on these airwaves, and Jake's... Hey, you want to talk about algebra? I just made it through there. Got a 94. I did get a 94. Thank you very much. A lot of Chris Ballard talk today on the show. Tomorrow we'll recap a big one. I think it's a really big one tonight for Indiana at Penn State and entertaining from Madison Square Garden, Pacers and Knicks. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.